Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talking Smack. I'm your host, Josh Scar. Uh, with me this week is a very special guest, Rebecca, or Becky, as she likes to be called. Um, we're not going to do a last names because on this podcast, you're going to be the equivalent of Cher. Oh, I'm okay with that. I know. That's I why I decided Cher. to do that. So we've been gone for a few weeks. I am very tired. I have a, a newborn daughter. Thank you very much for all the uh, well wishes that didn't come my way because no one listens to this podcast. Josh, congrats on the baby. Oh, thank you. Sounds so sincere. How much work did you do for that? Just a little bit. <laughs> like two, three minutes tops, and then I, I was done. <laughs> but we've been gone for a while. Uh, last episode we did was the Black Panther review. But I'm going to try and get back into being consistent here. But having a newborn is a little uh, tiring and hard to make scheduling. Uh, my wife is being awesome right now and uh, staying up a little later than she's used to. And uh, so I can do this and talk nerd shop with Rebecca here. I'm going to keep calling you Rebecca. I'm sorry. That's fine. I know. I, that's like your thing. I know. I can't not do it. Even like I, I flip flop when I search for you. Like in my phone, I look for Becky. And on Facebook, I look for Rebecca. And I'm like, that's not right. Every time. Oh, well, yeah. You're right. I don't think I've ever been on Facebook as Rebecca. It's always been Becky. Yeah. It's always been Becky or some kind of weird like Kiki or something. Well, I but, that was my cupcake page. Cupcakes by Kiki. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that was. Black Panther was the last thing we, we talked about on this podcast, which Black Panther has now crossed over a billion dollars and is continuing to make money. And that's pretty awesome because it was a really good movie. See, now I wonder, though, is it because it's a Marvel movie or is it because there's so much surrounding it as for what it is being one of the first superhero movies where what it's white all, characters pretty much are in an the all minority? Black cast. Yeah, there's um, the one white guy. I think it's a... A solid mixture of both. I would say it's probably a little more leaning towards the fact that it's Marvel. If it was a DC movie, I don't think it would have done as well just because they don't have as good of a track record. Actually, definitely not. Because if it was like a DC and announcement that, you'd be like, well, it's not going to be good. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, word of mouth might have spread like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty good. But I don't think it would have crossed a billion dollars. They had the benefit of being a Marvel movie and having this big buildup and this great representation and the the cast and everything and it just took off and it continues to do well and it deserves to do well i think it's got four straight weekends yeah uh, at number one and i don't think anything well something came out this week i don't remember what it is it, it might something big i can't remember it's not important uh but it, it has a decent shot at i think continuing to stay at number one let's do a quick look box office mojo well i do think i think they also tomb raider tomb raider okay tomb raider is going to be the only thing they kind of because I know Pacific Rim is going to be big, but you know what I mean? At the same time, like, I guess they haven't been talked up as much as, let's say, Star Wars was, and let's say this Marvel movie was, because that's what they do now. It's yeah. like everyone's waiting for those to come out, and all the movies in between, sorry. <laughs> Tomb Raider, I think, will dethrone it. It's it's new. And, and it's Tomb Raider. And it looks like the the most recent reboot video game, so, yeah. which is, the, the reboot game is great. I, I really enjoy that, but... From what I've seen, it's not very good, which is why we're not reviewing it this week. <laughs> While all the other podcasts are going to be going to see Tomb Raider, I'm saving, I'm helping us save our money. I bumped my mic here. And uh, we're going to talk about Futurama. I like that. Because it's the Better. 19th anniversary, which is a really weird anniversary to celebrate, but I don't care. It's uh, something I want to talk with you about because I we love talking about I that. I love Futurama. And uh, we're going to get into that in a little bit here. But first things first, we got news that we've missed in the last three weeks that we have not been on the air. Most recently, uh, I'm going to go with most recent news. There's a lot of old stuff. Uh, this isn't the most recent news, though. Really weird, but I got it. it's the most important news. <laughs> okay, yeah, important stuff first. 
So John Favreau, um, director of movies such as Elf and Iron Man 1 and 2, has been tabbed to executive produce a new Star Wars show for Disney's streaming service. I am burnt out on Star Wars in all honesty. I have to admit, I feel the same. Not only, only because I know people are going to be like, this girl's the worst, never invite her back. I did <laughs> well, not. Well, you're coming back next week for Pacific Rim. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I did not watch Star Wars until they announced not the first the, Jedi. Yeah. Whatever that one was. You know what I'm talking about. The, the Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. I had not seen any of them. I really didn't have any interest except for what I learned from you guys at GameStop. And Trevor made me watch them. I fell asleep through every single one. And I did not. And the whole time we watched it, I watched it, the first one with him, the first three, which I guess now I know are technically not the, the middle ones. ones. The middle ones. They're now. the meat of the sandwich. Yeah. The, all the important stuff and everything else past it and before it is just whatever now. More money, basically, exactly. is what I see that as. But the whole time, it was like, oh, well, well, this part up here isn't very good. And, yeah, they didn't do this part very well. And, well, this is stupid. And I'm like, why? That's the worst way to watch this watch, movie. Why is everybody watching these movies if all anybody can do is talk about how not good they are? There's a really great slogan going around the internet right now that no one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. Wow. That's a, a really good way to describe it. Because that's exactly what Trevor does when he explains them all to me. Is like, he points out all the stuff he doesn't like about it. But he still knows everything. And I just can't... The more I like looked it up and I saw all the... I mean, there's just the books and all this other stuff. that All the details they have going into this. I just think that's absolutely madness. I still love the original trilogy. I, have, I found my DVD copies of the original trilogy, which have minimal changes to them. They have some changes, but... I may actually go back and watch those. I have the Blu-ray editions as well, but I can't watch Return of the Jedi anymore because there's so many changes in that one. So the one where they added like that musical scene. They added the musical number. They added blinking Ewoks. The Ewoks did not blink until the Blu-ray editions, uh, just because obviously they're puppets. So they they didn't oh, think about yeah, adding. You're right. They didn't think about making them blink because who's really thinking like these animals don't blink? <laughs> they're not even animals. It doesn't matter. They can do whatever they want. Exactly. And uh, but there's a a scene towards the end where Vader is conflicted about whether he's going to stand by and watch the Emperor kill Luke or if he's going to help his son and kill the Emperor. And in the original cut, he's silent. He's just looking back and forth for a few minutes while Luke is pleading to him. But in the Blu-ray editions, they have Vader looking back and forth, and after about two or three seconds, he's like, No! 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 Very Bender-like. Yeah, it is very Bender-like. <laughs> and I hate it. It Like, the silence sells it because you don't know what he's thinking. You just see this blank-faced Vader, and you hear his wheezing because his respirator's broken. And it, it's it's more powerful because you're like, he's moving. What's he going to do? But now you hear him go, no, no, no. Like, oh, he's going to help Luke. Yeah, you're right. It kind of takes that, like, what's the point of the suspense if there is no suspense to be had? Yeah. You're, and you kind of spoil it. It's... It's a, they're breaking the show, don't tell rule. Basically. And yeah, so uh, I'm, but in, on this news with John Favreau, I really enjoy John Favreau. I think he's a good actor. I think he's a really solid director. He did really well with the Jungle Book. I just, I'm burnt out on Star Wars. Yeah, we've it, got. How much more can you do? I don't know, but we've got. Or is that we've got the end of the, the question? We've got the end of the new trilogy coming up uh, December of next year. Yeah. We've got the Game of Thrones guys doing their own ser- like movie series. They're not just like set to a trilogy. They're just, just doing their own thing. They're making their own Marvel universe of Star Wars or something. 
we've got the anthology movies, which are the are they anthology? I don't know. The a Star Wars story movies. Yeah. We've got Han Solo coming out, and then probably a Boba Fett and or a Obi Wan movie. And then we've also got a new trilogy coming up from the Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson. You can stop. Like, <laughs> what made Star Wars special was that it was so rare. Like, it was a generational thing. It came out once every 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. And now they're like everywhere. It just it it loses its luster after so long. It just becomes stale. Well, and then it's everywhere all at once. It's how I don't know how much more of that information can you really like. I get them all mixed up all the time. Because I'm like, wait, where's the one where they're doing the thing? Because I can't really remember the... Okay, but they were doing the thing, and I remember that. So that's fine. I watched it. I don't need to watch it again. I don't know. I don't want to spend any more money on Star Wars. <laughs> I'll see episode nine, and I'll probably... I'll, I'll go see Han Solo. Like, it looks... Visually, it looks very good. I've heard very different things about how the story actually turns out. I'm still probably going to see everything that's not a Boba Fett movie, just because I'm a sucker for Star Wars regardless. Yeah. Like, I'll be burnt out, and I'll be like, that was good, but I didn't need it. I think I'm lucky. The only reason I go is like association with other people. But mm-hmm. if it was up to me, I will not be the person that's like, hey, let's go to Star Wars. Yeah. No, thank you. I wonder if that's a thing too, the like wanting to know the backstories of, you know what I mean? Like, the, like why otherwise would you have a Boba Fett movie if you know two seconds of him? Well, we, we basically know his origin story yeah, and we you, have there's nothing more like we have the end of the story tell. so like whatever happens in the middle really doesn't matter except for the fact if you want to explain oh this is why he hates han solo and this is why he ha- we already know why he hates the jedi they killed his clone father yeah it's i mean i understand why people are interested in stuff like that i just don't ever think it's done very well especially when so much time has passed if that makes mm-hmm. any sense yeah yeah i just burnt out on star wars though john favreau i'm sure it's gonna be good and uh did i, I don't know if i mentioned this like i said i'm exhausted uh but the he's produ- executive producing a show for disney's streaming service which will be going live in 2019 i believe yeah i think it's i think it is 2019 so it's a tv show it's not another movie but it's still more Star Wars. Like, Star Wars Rebels just ended. Yeah, that was and its own thing. I, I loved Star Wars Rebels personally, but that was also when it was basically just, you have the new trilogy and Star Wars Rebels, which is taking place before the new trilogy, so it's still fresh. And now it's like, everything Star Wars. And I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, you can just slap the name on anything and call it done. doesn't even have to be good. People will still go see it. Pretty much. And then in other news, uh, this is one of the more recent stories that broke this week, I believe. Uh, Danny Boyle will be directing Bond 25, so the 25th installment of the James Bond franchise. Uh, Some of the movies to Danny Boyle's credit are 127 Hours, the movie where James Franco cuts off his own arm. Let's bump my mic again. Uh, 28 Days Later, the the really good zombie movie. The very first one, they did 28 Weeks, and then I think they did like, they did another one, I think, or I don't know if they've done a full trilogy of it yet. Um, then he also directed Slumdog Millionaire, which won an Oscar. Yeah, that was actually that was very good. And he also directed uh, a movie called Shallow Grave in 1994, which on IMDb, those are his top four hits. Uh, he did The Beach, which I believe is a DiCaprio movie. Yep. I don't know if I've heard of that then. Yeah, it was not very well received from what I remember. Daniel Boyle seems to be a really solid director, and Daniel Craig is coming back as Bond, so hopefully he actually gives a shit this time, unlike Spectre. <laughs> yeah. You, you can really tell when you watch that movie, can't you? Yeah, he just, from from rumors that I've heard, he was actually ready to call it quits. 
And then he found out that I think Tom Hiddleston was slated or in negotiations to become the new Bond. And he has a standing rivalry with Tom Hiddleston for some reason. And so he's like, fuck that guy. I'm coming back. And so they threw him in really tiny suits and he like hulked out of them and made a really bad movie. Yeah, it was not. It was not good. I mean, he makes it really. It's got to be the worst. Would like. You know he doesn't even want to play the character. He's doing it out of spite. He's doing it out of spite, and he's doing it for a paycheck. Basically. Uh, I should have done this before we started recording and made sure you'd seen all the trailers we were going to be discussing. I assume you've seen most of them. Most probably. Um, But there's a... I'm going to edit this out. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, Zachary Levi. Uh, Have you seen his Shazam costume? The all-what red one piece with the gold boots? No, I don't... No? Is that... It doesn't have gold boots. I'm pretty sure it's got gold boots. They match the gauntlets he's wearing, or whatever you want to call those. Arm. Let's see here. Yeah, the boots, the belt, and the arm guards all match. I guess I haven't looked that closely at it. I guess I don't have to cut this if you've seen it. Google, you're letting me down. Yeah, he's got he's got the cape there and everything. Go. Yeah, that's oh, it. Oh, wow. That's yeah, him, right? That's yeah, it. that's yeah. actually right. Yeah, I did see that. Okay, well, good on you. So, this suit is really weird because... This is taking place in the same universe as Justice League and Batman v Superman, which is all very toned down, except for Justice League. They gave Superman the bright colors. But he does get bright colors. Uh, I think that's kind of his deal, though. Like, it works for him. Yeah. Uh, but, again, this they even toned the suit down even more in Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's a super comic-accurate costume. Like, it, it looks almost identical to the costume that he wears in the new comic run. Which is so weird, because that's just one of those things that does not translate onto regular people. I don't care who Zachary Levi is. He's going to look ridiculous in a one if they didn't unitard. make it, If they didn't make it like a tortoise shell on him, <laughs> yeah. I think it would be fine. But they made it like this giant muscle suit that looks like he's just wearing like this big muscle shell. It, like, it looks like he can't bend his arms. Yeah, like he... It's like... What they do with Chris Evans is Chris Evans is jacked. He is, yeah. But then they put him in the Captain America suit, and there's a little bit more padding to make him look even bigger. But it's not to the point where he like is stuck with his arms out like Ralphie's brother in a Christmas story. No, he actually looks uh, like rather natural. Yeah, he does do a good job. I think actually, I agree. Thor does too. I think both those suits look. It looks natural on the character. I didn't like, I know Batman's suit is supposed to be the way that it is, but I super hate how clunky he looks in it. Mm-hmm. That's not, you and, can't fight like that. That's, and Justice League, it was really it's bad. Awful. It's so, it's, I don't understand. It's like a bunch of cardboard boxes just stuck on him. Yeah, it's like they and just. And they're like, well, figure it out. They just threw some like blankets in there to kind of stuff him a little bit more, make him look a little bigger. Yeah, that one, it, it, did, just, it didn't end up looking very good. Not yeah, like that it, at all. It looks kind of like they did the same thing. Like there's a, a like a half inch of space between Zachary Levi and the suit and they're just like, um. Throw some blankets in there and just like make it look like muscles. Where is the tricep? We we don't Somewhere have the, back here, right? we don't have the budget to hire Tim Gunn and make it work. Uh, you don't watch. <laughs> I just still I'm looking I'm still looking at it. He does look kind of ridiculous. Like the suit looks great. Like it it looks like if someone wore that to C two E two or San Diego Comic Con. It's a comic accurate suit. I can't disagree with that. Does it look weird on a human though? Yes. <laughs> yes. How's it going to look in a movie? I guess we'll find out. But you're right. It is. It's so like, it's so out there. I mean, a trailer like with him in it, you're just like, oh man, look at this guy with his lightning bolt suit. This is ridiculous. And to be fair, there there likely will be some CGI done to oh, yeah, it to absolutely. make it look absolutely. a little more crisp. What really makes me curious about what they're doing with the suit is they, they went with the, the newer era 
version of the suit where it has a hood and uh, he's got the full sh- double shoulder cape where yep. classic Shazam has like a, a, single, a single shoulder yep. and he like doesn't the have the hood. Yeah. Sort of like Thor and Thor Ragnarok. Yep. In Superman, they CGI the cape mm-hmm. almost entirely. Yep. There's very few shots where the cape is not computer generated. Whereas this one, he has the hood, he has the cape. And the hood just, it's just like a big bowl. Like they want to make sure that he can just like flip it up and it stays. They don't want it to like flop around like an actual hoodie would. Yeah, or like, yeah, lay weird on his head, anything like that. Although that begs the question, why are the capes there for, what are the, why? Because Batman has them. <laughs> That's a, why, why does, why do they use the capes? I wonder how that started. I'm actually kind of interested now that I'm thinking about it. Like, they make fun of it in The Incredibles, which mm-hmm. is funny. Like, you know, they're like, why? Look at all these people wearing capes and they're getting choked and they're getting sucked into things. Why do these grown men wear capes and what are they doing with them? They aren't bulletproof. <laughs> they are. Well, I mean, in Batman v Superman, we see Batman use it as a. Uh, oh, does, he, know, it, yes. he covers him and Martha. Right. He, does, he does cover, he does use it. For and that. They, they save themselves from KG Beast, who I guess is also supposed to be Firefly in that movie, but whatever. But yeah, the suit looks a little ridiculous, but obviously we have to wait until post-production is yeah, done see to see how it looks, looks on like. film. Because right now it looks like pajamas. Yeah, every honest. Everything that has come out has been leaked from people sneaking pictures, yeah. so we'll see what happens. But yeah, the suit looks a little ridiculous. The DC Universe is a little ridiculous at this point, so... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Can't say I'm a fan or want to give it a chance. I will solely because of Zachary Levi. Yeah, I know. That's, that's kind of your deal, though. Yeah. So, sticking in the DC universe, Kristen Wiig is signed on to play Cheetah in Wonder Woman 2. I should have had this ready to go. Cheetah, DC, comics. Are they saying which one? Uh, I think they've only said Cheetah so far. So, I won't, because I just, I think the Cheetah I know best would have to be uh, Barbara. There's Barbara Ann Minerva, who is from the post-crisis era and the current Cheetah in DC comics. There's also Priscilla Rich who is from the Golden and Silver Age Cheetah, or Age of Comics, and Deborah Domain of the Bronze Age. So uh, there's also a male version of Cheetah, but I'm guessing, well, I guess he was pretty good. He was 69th on the IGN Greatest Comic Book Villains of All Time. So I'm going to guess they're going to go with Barbara Minerva. Yeah, because I must say, okay, so it's, if I remember right, Priscilla is the niece of Deborah. That I don't know. I'm not super familiar with Wonder Woman lore. I'm looking at... She, now, I will say, I think Wonder Woman and then uh, Cheetah was a... Because she's a villain. They set her up kind of weird. I think uh, when she's Priscilla, that's the one... Priscilla and Barbara, I remember the most. When she's Priscilla, she wants to be... She wants to befriend super, uh, Wonder Woman. She does not want to... Yeah. yeah. She's not. Yeah. She doesn't so... start off like that. She does not like her more fancy upbringing. I do remember that from the comics. Uh, Priscilla Rich and her niece Deborah Domain, while modern incarnations of Cheetah possess superhuman powers, Rich and Domain do not. So Priscilla Rich is the aunt of Deborah Domain. Oh, I, I flip flopped him. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So Cheetah, basically, uh, from my understanding, the new version of it is she's basically Laura Croft, uh, but she ends up doing bad archaeologist things and touching her her finds and like doing things Ah. that she shouldn't. And she finds this amulet that turns her into a cheetah person. And she ends up hating wonder woman for reasons and becomes one of her arch rivals. 
Uh, but let's see here. New 52. DC relaunched its comics and new with the New 52. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Barbara and Minerva, having used several aliases that happen to be names of various incarnations of the character, is reintroduced as Cheetah as part of her new backstory. Minerva is referred to as an accomplice to Wonder Woman mm. and an expert in dangerous relics. Makes sense. Uh, in the possession of a dagger once belonging to the, a lost tribe of Amazon, she cut herself. She was possessed by the goddess of the hunt, transforming her into the human cheetah hybrid. Her claws can also turn Superman into a cheetah-like being. I remember that. I read that Justice League story. Uh, Superman becomes a cheetah person, too. Oh. And he like becomes her thrall. Yeah. And they have to find out how to beat Super Cheetah as well as Cheetah in the, this Justice League story. I really hope Wonder Woman 2 is good. Wonder Woman 1 is two-thirds of a really great superhero movie, and it, it needed to be that. Yeah. Just because, not not to save the DC movie universe, but just for Wonder the sake yeah, of the give, character. To give her a chance. Yeah, the, the sake of Wonder Woman. Like, if they made a bad Wonder Woman movie, we probably wouldn't see another one for 30 years. No, and there would be no, there'd be no room for any female hero, like any other female star yeah. heroes to come out. Of well, which, I guess your selection is kind of small, but if you have one female superhero movie that comes out and it's... It's totally crappy. They're not going to make another one. It's not like Fantastic Four. Doesn't well, Wonder- matter how bad that movie is, they're going to make it a thousand times. Well, Marvel has uh, Captain Marvel coming out. They do. Uh, regardless of what happened yep. with Wonder Woman. But I think Marvel pushed Captain Marvel back so that Wonder Woman had a chance. Yep. Like, I think they, they honored the fact that Wonder Woman needed to come first. Yeah. And they were just banking that if it's good, we'll have great publicity for another female-led superhero movie. If it's bad, we can be like, hey, we're going to do a good one. Yep. Yikes. Look what we did with Black Panther. Now we're going to do it with women. I did like Wonder Woman. I mean, there are parts of it that I was rolling my eyes at, but it is it is a good movie. They did a good job. Wonder Woman had its flaws. Uh, I think the scene on the boat where they discuss sex for too long is... It's all, so awkward. It, I think it's intentionally that long to be awkward but, but it's still, it, it doesn't was like super unnecessary yeah it, it kind of killed the flow it had yeah it had nothing to do with anything that was going on and you're like i just i don't understand yeah she's got other things to do she's busy and then <laughs> there's a world to be saved let's just go past it and then at the very end fighting the big gray monster you know just yeah. very generic but yeah wonder woman one was still very good like i would give that one a an eight out of ten just because of how good it was yeah i don't know if they can strike hit lightning in a bottle twice like that yeah. especially with a villain like cheetah but it all depends on the script and it all depends on how much input the dc heads have if they have minimal input then i think it'll be really good if it has if they decide they're gonna interject like they did with justice league it's gonna really hurt itself has wig ever played a villain or she only really played She's done some serious stuff. She was in The Martian, but she was a very small role in she that. She was in that, and she was, I mean, but she even then, she still was kind of like, she was like quippy. She wasn't bad. She was neutral, and she was kind of she, that, like, She had a couple yeah. of quips, but I, I think she was definitely more serious. Yeah. But uh, I know there's an old adage in acting that says, if you want to find a really good dramatic actor, find get the, a comedian. The, yeah, get the comedians Because they, they have a better range of emotion, where if you get George Clooney, George Clooney's going to play George Clooney. Basically. Hopefully this is good. Hopefully this ends up being great casting. I I don't think it's bad casting. I just no, it's an interesting I just, choice. Yeah. I think it's something I would not have expected her to be picked for a superhero movie, at, at all. To be honest, yeah, it's kind of a weird villain. But at the same time, DC is kind of 
embraced a lot of the quirky comic book stuff. Yeah, because that's definitely a, a quirkier... Vill- I mean, who has who's even heard of Cheetah? To be, really, that if you have not read the comics, you have no idea what's going on. It's very true. So, in other casting news, DeWanda Wise has left Captain Marvel, which we were just discussing, uh, due to a scheduling conflict with a Netflix show that she's going to be doing. Uh, it was never confirmed, but it's most likely that she's going to be playing Monica Rambeau, who at one time in Marvel Comics history also took on the mantle of Captain Marvel. Uh, but she has been replaced by actress Lashana Lynch. Uh, Lynch is very... Lashana, I should have had this stuff all pulled up. I'm Like I said, I'm out of practice at this point. <laughs> I had Danny Boyle pulled up. That was about it. So she's known for her roles in Fast Girls and Brotherhood. But other than that, she's a relatively unknown actress who's mostly just done TV stuff. But she she's very pretty. She uh, it, I don't think we have her height listed in here. Not that it's super important. Uh, nope. But she's 30 years old. Uh, she's British. So usually British people are very good actors. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited for this. Uh, Captain Marvel is in the process of filming. So I find it interesting that they were able to replace her so quickly. I'm guessing she was their backup anyway maybe yeah but they must not have filmed any of her ro- her stuff at this point in the the process of filming anyway because i'm about to say maybe they knew but like yeah that could have been they could have done that pretty strategically yeah so or I mean, if they did film anything it wasn't it's enough that they could switch it pretty quickly mm-hmm, exactly they maybe filmed a couple scenes that they can just go right back to yeah and have not have it not be a really big deal to do, go over so I'm going to flip-flop these two notes. There's nothing really else to discuss with uh, Lashana Lynch, but uh, I'm going to flip these two points just because I think it will flow a little better. Uh, in other Marvel news, Marvel has claimed several dates. Uh, they moved one date up from August 2020 to July 31st of 2020. Uh, they also have claimed May 7th, 2021, July 30th, 2021, November 5th, 2021, so three movies in 2021, one movie in 2020, which leads me to believe that's going to be either some kind of Avengers movie or it's going to be, well, that would be three Avengers movies in a row, so probably not. That That might be Guardians 3 then. That would be my biggest, my best guess. Is that two years out then or three? That's two years out. Two years, yeah, I guess guess it could be another Guardians. Yeah, although it's July, so it could also be a new Spider-Man because Spider-Man basically has July, but there is a date... Eh, I mean, these are all end of July. That's kind of weird. Um, yeah, did you, did you notice that? Yeah. Usually uh, Spider-Man gets close to 4th of July weekend. Yeah. So maybe not. Um, but So yeah, we've got May 2021, June 30th, 2021, November 5th, 2021, three movies in 2021. Then we've got February 18th, 2022, which I think is going to be Black Panther 2. Yeah. I think they're going to say, like, this is our time. Like, we've got uh, the African King in the Black History Month time slot. We're going to keep it. That's kind of what we're going to go with. Yeah, I think that's what that's going to be. Uh, then we've got May 6th, 2022, and July 29th, 2022. Yeah, I one of those July spots is probably going to be a third Spider-Man movie. Yeah. But that's if Marvel can get the negotiations with Sony back. Because after Spider-Man Homecoming 2, Marvel and so- or Disney and Sony have to go back to the negotiating and table. Because the original again. Spider-Man borrowing deal was for five movies, which you have... Civil War, Homecoming, Avengers Infinity. 3 and 4, yeah. and then Homecoming 2. So we'll see what happens with that, but I'm pretty sure they're banking on one of those being a Spider-Man movie. Going back, I, have you seen the Fantastic Beast trailer? I did watch the Fantastic Beast okay, trailer. Thank God. I, I did not prepare very well for all this. Uh, I've only watched it a couple times. Um, 
I'm not a huge fan of the Harry Potter universe. I, I've read the books. I've seen the movies. Uh, I, I own Fantastic Beasts on Blu-ray. I actually don't own any of the Harry Potter movies just because uh, I'd want to buy it in the big box set, and the box set is way too expensive. Yeah, it's really expensive. Unless you find it on, like, Christmas time deals, but then they sell yeah, out really it's, fast. It's, it's still really expensive. Well, I saw at one point it was like 45 bucks for all eight yep. movies, and like, that's not bad, and then it was gone. Yeah, cons- considering it's for every single movie. I actually, we just talked about this over the weekend. I, I really don't like the Harry Potter movies. I really don't like them. They are wildly inconsistent as far as the rules of magic and like what you can and can't do. And I know that that's fine and that's how movies go, but it's, the more I watch, rewatch them, the more I'm like, I don't want to sit down and have a Harry Potter marathon. Like, the movies aren't good. There's so much magic in the books that you, that people who watch movies just don't know about. It just is like, it's just crazy to me. I read the books twice a year, every year. I read it once in the summer. I read it once in the winter. It is still my favorite series of all time. I just can't. There's so much stuff. I don't. You can't fit it in that amount of time. One of the things that bothers me the most in the movies is early on, they say their spells, Expelliarmus, Lumos, yep. whatever. In the books, they say that it takes a very powerful and uh, concentrated wizard to be able to cast a spell without speaking. By the fifth movie, they're just flicking their wands, doing whatever. Yeah. They're just like, we don't want to keep saying these words. Apparently, Christians think we're saying devil spells, so we're just going to start flicking our wrists and pointing our wands. And I I get it. It looks much cooler on screen to, you know, you're just like whipping out the spells and it's just these bursts of light and everything, but it just, it isn't how it works. You know, that one, that one actually does really bother me when they're in the, uh, in book five. Now, I will say in book six, when uh, Snape takes over, as uh, the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, that's when they learn that they're expected to do nonverbal spells. So that's every class they have. And at all times, they're expected to do all their spells nonverbally. So then she kind of backtracks and says, well, every wizard is supposed to be able to do this. But wizards like, you know, again, really powerful wizards are the ones who have like total and complete control. They don't always do a very good job with the nonverbal spells, which in the books they pointed out constantly that most students are just like muttering under their breaths and not actually saying, <laughs> not actually doing it nonverbally because it's really, it's a really hard skill to learn. Yeah. We just, that, that again, that stuff doesn't translate. There's and a lot of fun in class stuff that they don't put in there. And yeah. One of the things in the, the Crimes of Grindelwald, which is Fantastic Beast 2, uh, one of the things that people are freaking out about is that you see three, I, I assume Ministry of Magic agents, uh, apparate onto Hogwarts grounds, which in the Harry Potter books, they say you cannot do this. Can't do it. <laughs> My counter argument to that is, when did that spell take, when did they implement that rule? When did they say, we need to stop people from doing this? Um, I don't know as far as... Okay, so everything they do before and is before and after the statute of secrecy, which is when they they're, they kind of figure out, okay, we can't, be, you know, we have to hide. This is just crazy. We can't be like with the muggles anymore. So we're gonna do our own things. We're gonna go silent. They've got all these rules as far as how they dress with they're around the muggles, the spells they can do around the muggles. That's why if you cast a spell and you're in the presence of muggles, the Ministry of Magic comes and finds you. This whole big deal through that. Um, but the Hogwarts train was not always a thing. I, I, you're right. I don't think they go over that in the trailer. 
but basically they left the parents to decide how their students were getting to Hogwarts. They never said anything about apparition because you wouldn't be able to do it until you were 17 anyway, mm-hmm. which would be maybe your seventh year, but depending on your birthday, maybe not in your seventh year. But they did for the first day of school, they had like specific places around the grounds that you could take a port key to. Um, they had brooms, you would be able to fly your brooms. Um, I think the flu network was open, but they had they left you with the assumption that you would probably use the flu network into Hogsmeade, not necessarily Hogwarts school itself. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, you're right. They're actually like literally on the ground. Yeah, they're on the bridge heading into the castle. So, uh, that, I, I just, that weird bridge they make right in the movies. No, yeah, it's yeah. it's just like a big open bridge. Yeah, and, uh, I just I think it's funny that people. I I get it. People are passionate. I mean, there's probably something that will make me freak out in Avengers: Infinity War or something. I just, we don't know when that rule was made or when that spell was cast. So, like, saying people, they, like, was that something that they had the foresight to do at the very beginning of Hogwarts? Probably not. Well, but they had the foresight to hide it at the beginning of Hogwarts. They did, because if anybody looks at it uh, from the outside, all they see is, like, a decrepit castle, and it says, don't enter, like, very dangerous ruins. If for some reason a muggle comes across it, if they get close enough, there's, like, memory repellent charms, and they suddenly remember they have, like, a really important errand to run, <laughs> and then they leave. <laughs> I the stove on shit. Basically, that's basically exactly what it is, and the wizards think it's, like, cute. They're like, oh, bless those muggles. Like, so easy to fool. Like, what a... Th- what a thing but yeah you think that they would do yeah she i mean in the book she does that herself in the very first book they have that uh they get that dragon like that haggard's keeping i think in the movies they like draco sees it and then they just make him get rid of it i think that's it they like yeah. that's how they stop in uh in the books they're like haggard you gotta get rid of this it's a dragon and ron's brother charlie works with dragons in romania mm-hmm. and he writes him back and he's like oh yeah we'll take the dragon off your hands uh a few friends of mine are going to be flying in the area and if you just meet him on top of the tallest tower they'll uh, take the dragon and i'm like seriously dumbledore is a headmaster and these four random wizards can just fly their brooms to the castle i don't think so jk rowling <laughs> i don't think so but that's uh, book number one. We gotta give her a yeah. little, we gotta give her a little bit of leeway. But that is funny. That's I mean I'm not like mad about it, but I think it's amusing when I like re- reread it. I'm like I don't think so. <laughs> no way that this would happen. I know better than you now. Not okay. <laughs> uh, so some of the highlights in the the trailer I I read after the first Fantastic Beasts came out uh, that Newt was not going to play as big of a role in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Like Newt was just kind of a reintroduction to this world, basically. Um, but it seems like he's going to have a fairly significant role because he's being sent out by Dumbledore to uh, take out Grindelwald, apparently, or at least start something against him to kind of raise awareness to the the magic community that Grindelwald is a threat. Yeah, he's an evil wizard. Likely because uh, Newt has run into Grindelwald in New York at this point. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, well, you know how to stop him. And uh, Ezra Miller is coming back without the bad haircut. Yep. Um it looks like, uh, I always want to call him Sully, but I can't remember the guy's name. The chubby guy that uh, Dan Fogel plays. Fogler. I know you're talking about. I don't think it's his I name. can't remember his name, but he's coming back, which in the trailer, it sounds like he's British. Yeah, didn't it? I think whatever word, whatever phrase they have him say at that point is just, it was really weird. I, I don't know what it is, but I wanted, I'm really curious because he was the best part of the first movie. Yeah. So I really want to see how they bring him back and how they get rid of the mind wipe charm. The very last shot we see in the trailer, though, is probably my favorite. 
where Newt and I assume his brother, because I think they, they've confirmed his brothers in the yeah. movie, uh, they like go to the ground and they slam their wands on the ground. This like red wall starts coming up in front of them. It's a gorgeous shot. Yeah, it looks really I really don't know cool. what the hell's going on, but it's pretty. Yeah. You can say that for the Harry Potter universe, everything looks good. They did a really good job. Even the last few movies of the original series, everything looks... I mean, they made a lot like... They made it dark, which I thought Fantastic Beasts still had a lot of that, like, kind of dreary, like, darkness, that dampness to it, despite the fact yeah. that it's, like, this magical movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I guess that was, like, the tonage that they have in that movie. Yeah, I, they've had the same that. director since, I think, The the Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. I forget his name. Uh, but they've had the same director since then. He did six, seven, eight. Uh, and now he's doing the first few Fantastic Beasts movie. I don't know if he's doing all five, but yeah, he's he likes that like gray filter in mm-hmm. front of the camera. So Fantastic Beasts will be out this November. I'm in, I'm interested. Uh, Johnny Depp looks pretty good this time around. Um, I don't know if they made him lose the fat suit or whatever, but uh, his look in the first Fantastic Beast was not very good. I don't. I didn't really understand what they're doing with that. Well, I mean, I understand the haircut at least, but yeah, I don't understand why they needed to make him look chubby. Well, and I think at this point they're supposed to be young. Young-ish. Yeah, yeah, they're still supposed to be young. Like Dumbledore, Dumbledore is Jude Law. Like, okay, yeah, Dumbledore is like a hundred years younger. Yeah. Oh well, and I guess it is harder with someone like Dumbledore whose whose age is like that. That's one thing they didn't do. They don't do great in those movies is the ages of everyone. When Harry's parents died, they're twenty one. They mm-hmm. had him when they were twenty. They died at yeah. They were twenty one years old, and like Lupin looks crazy old in the movies. So does Sirius Black. Although I do think that they said um, his appearance has changed because of the Dementors. No, well, no, actually, not necessarily. It was uh, shoot. They picked actors that more reflected Snape because mm. that's who they wanted. Alan Rickman. Yeah, they wanted Alan Rickman. They thought he'd do the best job, but you know they can't make him younger. And they were like, well. We'll just kind of age everybody up. If you look yeah. through that book Haggard gives him, yeah, they're like people in their 30s, which people in their 30s don't even look like that. Yeah. We're almost in our 30s. I'm not. I, I am in my I 30s. I know you're in I'm heading 30s. into my mid-30s. <laughs> yeah, you don't look that old. I know. I, I hear that we all the time, and I, I appreciate it, but I have a two-year-old. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Oh, like, they have a one-year-old. Yeah, gotcha. they had a one-year-old. Yeah, I definitely don't look as old as Harry's. Than, than yeah. I am right now. Yeah, I don't look as old as Harry's parents. No way. Yeah, uh, Fantastic Beasts. It'll be good. It'll be exciting, if nothing else. I like Jude Law as Dumbledore. Last trailer bit, last bit of news before we talk about Futurama. Uh, we fi- got the final Infinity War theatrical trailer. Uh, I'm, we're going to get hundreds and hundreds of TV spots that I'm yeah. going to avoid because those are going to be filled with spoilers. We also got a confirmation that the movie will run at 156 minutes, which for those of you that can't math, it's two hours and 36 minutes. Which I'm excited for that. That that does include credits. Yes, it does. But I mean, still, that's two hours and thirty six minutes. I believe it's the longest Marvel movie to date. I think so. It's a good um, chunk. Which means they kept a lot of the movie in there. They filmed for a year to do Avengers three and four back to back. But yeah, at, at 156 minutes, they they didn't cut much fat off. No, there's no way. I mean, yeah, there's going to be a ton of stuff in there. But this this trailer gives us. A lot of Thanos, which I guess the movie is basically going to be a Thanos movie. It's not necessarily like Avengers, here's Thanos. It's Thanos meets the Avengers. An interesting way to do it. Yeah, So, and we see a lot of stuff. We see uh, Thanos apparently adopting or Gamora willingly, go, a young Gamora yeah, willingly young Gamora. going with him. Which that shot of him in the armor in that scene is awesome. Yeah, it's I, really I really cool. like that shot. <laughs> that armor looks great. It looks a lot better than it did in Guardians of the Galaxy. 
uh, Guardians of the Galaxy confused me. Like I didn't understand. I couldn't separate him from his throne. Yeah. So it, it looked like the- he had really giant forearms. Yeah. It's just really weird. And then I have to like freeze frame and be like, okay, there's the armrest. There's his arm. Okay, he looks more proportionate now. But uh, there's there's a lot that's revealed in there, but nothing really story wise. Like it's just shots of epic moments within the movie. Then we we have no idea how we get to where we're going. Uh, we do get uh, a shot of Iron Man talking with Star Lord, which is a great moment because like it's your plan sucks. Let's try mine because then it won't suck. Um, we get Peter talking with Doctor Strange. We get uh, Captain America catching Thanos's punch, which. I don't know how he's able to catch his punch. Heart attack moment. <laughs> You're like, oh gosh, who's dying in this movie? Oh jeez. Well, if you freeze frame that shot, it's it's kind of funny at the same time because he catches his pointer finger and yes, his pinky. Yes, he does. He's like, got your fingers. <laughs> like my my hands can barely grip your fingers, and yet somehow I stopped your punch. Uh, I just I can't wait to see that moment because I want to I want to see Thanos just be like, you you got some you got some heart, but you dead. Bye. I know, yeah, what's he doing? Like, straight up, though, what is he doing trying to punch? Yeah, that would... He, he, <laughs> he knows better than to go against the Hulk. Why would he go against Thanos, who has two Infinity Stones at, at this point? And literally, yeah, I don't understand. If you're going from the... I mean, he snaps his fingers to destroy half the world. Like, come on. They don't say that for no reason. Yeah. And then here he is, like, getting in a regular fist fight with someone. You're mm-hmm. like, okay. I feel like it was a fan service trailer. Not that it wasn't a good trailer. I miss trailers that didn't tell you everything about the movie and then ruin it because I'm like I just saw the summarized version of the movie I'm one of those people that you don't care about spoilers <laughs> I don't I do care about spoilers at the same time I'll spend the whole movie going what are they doing <laughs> <laughs> wait what does this mean what what's happening next like if so if I know someone's watched it I want to be prepared yeah. for it but I do miss trailers where you watch it and you're like what is going on in this movie but I feel like this definitely was the first trailer to be like, oh, hey, remember all those other movies you liked and spent money to go see? Um, these are all the characters. They're mm-hmm. all back. Like, I, I feel like that's what it was. Like, it was, again, not that it wasn't a good trailer, but it was most definitely like a like a fan service trailer. The only people that were missing from the trailer are Ant-Man and Hawkeye. Yep. But uh, I think they're not going to show up until Avengers 4. Yeah. So Because there's... Uh, supplemental material they've already done avengers uh an avengers infinity war prelude where it kind of kind of deals with the fallout from captain america breaking out uh his side of civil war people and hawkeye's back home um and ant-man is obviously gonna end up under house arrest for some reason yeah so i i think that either the world is not aware of what thanos is doing or Ant-Man and the Wasp takes place before Infinity War. I think it does. It has to. We'll find out, but I, I, it, it makes sense if the world is not aware of like what's going on with Thanos, but at the same time, it kind of doesn't because there's this giant ring that shows up over New York, right? and Spider-Man gets sucked through it, and so does Iron Man and Doctor Strange, at least. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, that one kind of got me because I, when I, I watched that, and then I went back and I watched the Ant-Man trailer, and I was like, what... Where is the timeline of this? And I was like, there's no way that this is at the same time or really similar. I was like, it's got to be before. And I don't think there's any way that Infinity War is not left on a cliffhanger. Yeah, it has to be. Because Avengers 4 and Infinity War were filmed back to back. So this is going to, as much as I hate these style of movies, this is going to kind of be like Pirates of the Caribbean 2 and 3. Or Matrix 2 and 3, where it's really just one really long movie broken into two parts. Two movies, yeah. So I... 
And I still think Captain Marvel is going to show up at the very end, either in a post-credit scene, she's going to walk in and just be like, what's going on? Who needs me? Or it's she's going to show up at the very end of the movie and be like, I'm here to help. So I, Which I, would be really cool. Yeah, I, and then that's going to get people going like, who the hell is this? And then trailer, hey, here's Captain Marvel in her own movie in March. Oh, cool, now we'll know. Yeah, now that we're talking about Marvel, Stan Lee, not doing great. He's doing better. Better, but still not great. But did you watch that little video he did? That was a man ready to say goodbye. It was. It was. It was so like sad, but at the same time like precious. I though I feel well because you know of course Stephen Hawking died, and then everyone's like they do the oh rule of three, who's next? Which is a terrible thing to do, but at the same time, my very first thought was, oh my gosh, Stanley is sick, <laughs> and I'm thinking like. But it's never the ones you expect. It isn't. That's it's that's true. But you're thinking the past few years like, how good is his life? otherwise right now like how cool is that here's this guy who all this crazy stuff that's in his brain all the stuff we wish that we could explain to other people is out there being explained to other people mm-hmm. like sure it's making him money and that's fine like good for that guy but like, you know i feel like if it is his time to go what an awesome like how awesome did marvel do by stan lee with all these movies and i, I mean i don't know i just think they've done such a good job they still need to make up to Jack Kirby, but eh, well. for, for the most part, yeah, Stan Lee's gotten his due. He uh, really has. And I mean, he's filmed his, I think he's got three more in the can of his cameos. Yep. He had filmed five around the time Guardians 2 came out. So he, we had Thor and Black Panther. So yeah, we've got, we've got three more coming he's out. Dead, yep. So basically through Avengers 4, because yeah. we've got Captain Marvel, Infinity War, and Avengers 4. Yep. So... Yeah, and if he does kick it in the next year, we'll have one more of him at least. Yeah, and you're like, oh, Stanley, but good for that guy. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, there's not really much else to discuss. Uh, I think the, the big highlight moment was Captain America catching Thanos' punch. Um, we find out that they bring the vision to Wakanda. Uh, I guess that kind of is why there's the big fight in mm-hmm. Wakanda. Um Putting to bed, putting to rest my theory that the last Infinity Stone was actually in Wakanda. Uh, I do like that Marvel is kind of holding that where the location of that last stone is. Pretty close. Um, I really, I really hope it's not like, oh, the last stone is Earth. Ugh. Like, ah, oh, fuck you. <laughs> and also, it's love. <laughs> I would not go see that movie. I would be done. The next spinoff is Captain Planet. Earth, wind, fire, water, heart. Heart. And fuck you. <laughs> Oh, I always wanted to be heart when I was growing up. No. I was like, I could do that. What a dumb power. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't even know like what what did his power do again? I don't remember. It brought the group together. Like that was his power though. He's, he was the glue. He's the glue that holds. The, he's Iron Man. Iron Man's the glue that's holding. Oh no, the group Captain together. America is the glue. No, Captain America is the heart, but he is not the glue. He is the glue. No, Iron Man's the glue. I think... But Captain uh, America is most definitely the heart. I think uh, Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, uh, Falcon, all would beg to differ that Captain America is the glue. Hmm. If you remember at the end of I Civil do, War... still. Like, Iron Man lost two of his team members. He lost Black Panther and Black Widow. He did. Because he's not the glue. Fine. <laughs> he's a sticker. <laughs> he eventually you wear off. Oh, okay, but I still think he's my fave. I love Cap, that's, but Iron Man. That's fine. Iron Man can be your fave. He's, he's my it's fave. just Captain America's better. Fine. <laughs> now I just got to get Lewis on my side. 
or at least to admit that. So moving on finally to our topic of the week, uh, we are celebrating the 19th anniversary of Futurama. Futurama aired for the first time on uh, American Airwaves March 28th, 1999 with the episode Space Pilot 3000, which is one, uh, a nod to obviously uh, Science Fiction Theater 3000. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously every ep- every TV show ever, their first episode is pilot or whatever. So uh, we're going to take a little trip through history into the development of Futurama through their Wikipedia page. The television network Fox expressed a strong desire in the mid-1990s for Matt Groening, creator of The Simpsons, uh, to create a new show. And he began conceiving Futurama during a period uh, in 1996. He enlisted the services of David X. Cohen, who would eventually co-produce the show with him. Uh, Fun story about David X. Cohen. Before he was a member of the uh, Producers Guild, he was actually known as David S. Cohen in the like Hollywood circles. But there was already a David S. Cohen in, say, yeah. in the in the guild, so he decided to make his name David X. Cohen as far as his screen name go or his uh, like stage name would be yep. because it, the X made him sound more sci-fi ish. Mm-hmm. David X. Cohen, who at the time was known as David S. Cohen, uh, was a writer and producer on The Simpsons, and he was enlisted to assist on Futurama. The two spent time researching science fiction books, television shows, and films. When they pitched the series to Fox in 1998, Groening and Cohen had composed many characters and storylines. Groening claimed that had claimed they had gone overboard in their discussions. Groening described trying to get the show on the air by far the worst experience of my grown-up life. <laughs> Fox ordered 13 episodes immediately after. However, Fox feared the themes of the show were not suitable for the network and grading, and Fox executives argued over whether or not the network should air, over whether or not the network would have creative input on the show. With The Simpsons, the network had no input. Fox was particularly disturbed by the concept of suicide booths, Dr. Zoidberg, and Bender's antisocial behavior. Like, I don't know what they had wrong with Zoidberg. Other than than he's weird? Yeah, like a crab a crab doctor that wears sandals maybe perhaps is it a joke about doctors being incompetent because he's so wildly <laughs> incompetent I, as I don't a doctor in the first 13 episodes i don't know how how he in depth they get into no, that they though. don't do he doesn't do well i guess he has that minute with fry yeah i guess I, he calls that him a young be, lady yeah he and, he and he like yeah when he when they're doing like the medical examination maybe so uh, perhaps but yeah otherwise i don't know how you could take offense to him Graining explained, when they tried to give me notes on Futurama, I just said, no, we're going to do this the way we did The Simpsons. And they said, well, we don't want to do business that way, or we don't do business that way anymore. And I said, oh, well, that's the only way I do business. The episode I Roommate was produced to address Fox's concerns with the script written to their specifications. Fox strongly disliked the episode, (laughs) but after negotiations, Graining received the same independence with Futurama as he had on The Simpsons. The future, the name Futurama comes from a pavilion in the 1939 New York's World New York World's Fair. Yeah, the World of Tomorrow. Yeah. They do, they did do that in that, didn't they? Mm-hmm. The planning for each episode began with a table of meeting of writers uh, who discuss plot ideas as a group. The writers are given index cards and plot points, and they are required to use as a center for of activity for each episode. A single staff writer wrote an outline and then produced a script. Once the first draft of a script was finished, the writers and executive producers called the actors to the, for a table read. After the script reading, the writers collaborated and rewrote each script as a group before sending it into the animation team. 
really interesting stuff. Um, I'm not really going to get into the history of each actor just because there's so many. With as few characters as there are, the actors do so many different things. I will say that uh, Billy West actually originally auditioned for the role of Bender. Yep. Which I just, I don't know what he would have done. You can't he said it. he modeled it after a uh, construction worker. But I, I just, I don't know what he would have done. But Billy West, uh, more famously on the show known as Philip Fry, Professor Farnsworth, Zoidberg, Zap Brannigan, and many, many others, including the um, the narration voice for all of the, yeah, the, the movie reels. Like, none like it hot. He's that guy. Did, and, wait, did he also, did he do the narration for the, the Tales of Interest or the anthology Ma- Maurice of Interest? La- Maurice LaMarche did those. Did, the, did you? Okay, never yeah. mind. You can once you know who the voice actor is, you can definitely hear it. John DiMaggio was Bender plus many others. One of my favorites of the many others is Randy, the uh, the gay friend that just shows up whenever Bender is not around. Uh, Katie Sagal, who plays Leela, is uh, one the only character or the only voice actor on the show who does not do multiple voices, and she was actually originally not cast as the original Leela. Yeah. It is weird to think she's got such a distinctive voice. It is kind of it's it's interesting. Like once you know like who did and did not originally want to be the characters, now you're like, well, there's no way. Yeah. So the How original could you pick someone else. The original role of uh, Lilo was given to Nicole Sullivan, mm-hmm. who you would know best from Mad TV. Um, I forget some of her more key characters, but she also did guest spots on Scrubs as the super annoying patient yep. that ended up dying from rabies. Yep. The uh, I'm trying which, to think of what else she's in. Something else particularly, I just cannot think of it. Uh, let's take a look. Um, I actually love her in Scrubs. That's probably one of my favorite things that she's in. And they do, I think they do a really good job with that particular episode. Not that we're talking about Scrubs, but the where she does actually commit to IVF. Yeah, that's pretty sad. That's a really great episode. They do such a good job with that episode. Yeah, her character's name was Jill Tracy. Um, yeah, that's a great Dr. Cox episode. And then the follow-up episode from there. Yeah, she's done a lot of stuff. She like a lot of it is voice voice work. She did some stuff on American Dad. She did stuff on a Kim Possible. Kim Possible. That's how I know her. Okay, that's what I know her from. I know her mostly from Mad TV. That that makes sense to me. I watched Kim Possible like crazy though. I wanted to be Kim Possible. Yeah, the the voice cast is fantastic. Like mm-hmm. you could, if you get all those people in a room, it's you've got a who's who of voice actors. Basically, yeah. Uh, it's. I think they're more accomplished than the Simpsons voice actors because they, the Simpsons voice actors outside of Dan Castellaneta I, and Tress McNeil, um, you don't hear a lot about them outside of the Simpsons anymore. Yeah, that's kind of what they do is what they the Simpsons. But Billy West, I mean, he was Doug. He was Stimpy. He was he 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 was Roger Klotz mm-hmm. on Doug. Uh, he he was everywhere. Uh, John DiMaggio is a very accomplished voice actor. Obviously, Tress McNeil. She was Babs Bunny. She was yep. Dot on Animaniacs. Um, she does a bunch of stuff for The Simpsons. Obviously, she was Mom and many, yep. many, many, many other characters on Futurama. Uh, Maurice LaMarche, um, best known for his role as The Brain on Pinky and the Brain. Yep. Uh, he was Kef Croker plus Morbo. I think he was also Lur. I, I'm yeah, I think fairly certain Lur. he was Lur. Lauren Tom was Amy Wong, plus she was... Um, Mrs. Wong yeah, and Mrs. a few Wong. other. Uh, Phil Lamar, Hermie Con- Hermes Conrad. Um, he was also Bender Jr., Ben, in yes. one of the episodes we'll be talking about, uh, plus plenty of others. Uh, he is also maybe best known as Samurai Jack and uh, John Stewart, Green Lantern from Justice League Unlimited. Yep, Unlimited. There you go. Uh, and then there's... He's good in that. There's tons of other voice actors that, again, we can't really get into. 
Yeah, so George Takei guest spotted Al Gore. They get they get everyone. Yeah. Al Gore and came in do. to play that Al Gore. Was the best. So they, uh, wait, I think my favorite one though, Larry Bird. Yes. <laughs> what? I got an, I got a call from my agent about some animated show. I'm I'm not interested. <laughs> that's, that's the best part of that episode. That, that's a really good little nod to that. Just to, to again show you, a show with such heart also does not care. <laughs> They did not give no fucks so, when they did that. Part of what makes Futurama so great is that it's, it's a sci-fi show that doesn't take itself too seriously. Like, it's in the vein of The Simpsons. Personally, I think it had more legs than The Simpsons. The Simpsons are just going because it's The Simpsons. I know. I, you, I, I have never watched The Simpsons and the little that I know about it. I'm like, how, like what are they doing with it? Every now and then I watch it and it's fine, but it, it, it lost its freshness a long time ago. I think with... The premise of being in the future they had a lot of stuff that they could continue to grow on some of it creates that's, continuity errors that's true like fry how does fry really know about the kardashians yes um i don't think they would survive a thousand years into no. the future as far as being socially relevant although that could be the joke of that it, exactly is that a thousand year, years later they're still socially relevant <laughs> so yeah futurama was canceled i think three times yeah three times stint, but it never actually missed a beat until um at the end of their fourth season uh, with the Devil's Hands or Idle Playthings aired August 10th, 2003. But a large part of the problems that they were having with it was um, the the fact that Fox was playing time slot limbo with them. Like yeah. some, some weeks they would be on Sundays, another week they'd be on Tuesdays, and they could never, Fox could never find a, a, the right slot with them. I believe one of the trivia facts about Futurama is that it actually debuted on the same day as Family Guy. Really? I think so. I did not know that. Also, I hate Family Guy. <laughs> as I, far as animated adult animated shows, I think the first time I ever watched one was when I was too young, and it was King of the Hill. It's the episode where Bobby like drops his fire ants or something, and they start crawling. Oh on no! Him, and he's like freaking out. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I was like, "What kind of cartoon is this?" And I had zero interest when I got older. Like I was like, "Oh, adult cartoons. I don't care." Not interested in this at all. I don't remember when or why I watched Futurama. It must have been just because it was. It had to be in syndication at that point. Yeah. Like I had to be watch rewatching episodes. It had to be something that was maybe it was like later at night. But I it just. Yeah, it could have been uh, during because uh, one of the things that helped bring it back to Comedy Central was when Cartoon Network yeah. bought it for syndication uh, for their Adult Swim channel. Yeah, and it was still their Adult it Swim was time adult slot because they don't do they don't have that anymore, do they? I don't I don't know. I, I don't haven't watched Cartoon do. Network in a long time. But they would do all their they had their anime, but before they did all their anime, which was really late at night, they had the less like the American less I guess I'm gonna say like less strange shows yeah. to kind of lead you into like Gundam and all those kind of mm. a little bit weirder ones they had going on there well the Adult Swim brand went through a, a bunch of different things like really they did. they did they had they they went into the anime stuff very early on and then they changed it up to like this really weird stoner programming mm -hmm. with like crazy colors and just I don't even know. I never watched it because I'm, it was all, I don't it was I don't care for weird. stoner humor. No, and I didn't like any of it when it came out with all that either. And yeah, and then they just kind of they did Futurama, and then they did Family Guy, and then they did the Stoner shows, and then they they just then they did like home movies and stuff like that too. Um, but yeah, it was kind of their lead in to kind of just open up their their uh, Adult Swim time slot. But that was really when I started really catching up with it. Yeah. But I remember I did watch it on Sundays when I could, 
when it was on Sundays, but if, when they moved it to Tuesdays, I was not aware of it because obviously before the internet. Yeah, there's no, I mean, you catch it or you don't, that's kind of mm-hmm. it. And before DVRs and all that. When they, were, when they came back to Comedy Central, I was really worried that they would end up just getting really raunchy with it and just be like, oh, we can be like South Park now, which for the most part, they really didn't. I didn't think it was. I, I know what you're saying. It's I don't, it's a little bit more o- overt, but I don't think it was terrible. I still I think they restrained themselves. I don't know if they restrained themselves. I think it was more they're like we don't want to be too different yeah, from well, what we were. Yeah, and they didn't. They don't necessarily like that doesn't need it. I think the reason that you like Futurama, okay, the reason I like Futurama is I like all the characters in Futurama. They still have that whole like. Like the Seinfeld thing going on. The Where they're kind of the jerks. Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You're not supposed to really like any of the characters, but they exist and they're funny and that's the point. You don't watch Family Guy and you're like, oh man, like I love that character. Like, oh, so great. Like what a cool character. I really care what happens to him. But you watch Futurama and you're like, oh, Leela, somebody <laughs> help her. Oh God. And like Bender is like downright endearing and cute at some points, which, yeah. is, my, which is why I like Bender so much. So yeah, that show has heart, Josh. It does. And I like it. That's why I like it. Yeah, it's it, it does. And I think that's part of what kept it fresh for so long. And they, they did a good job of building relationships without putting people in a relationship. In relationships, Because yep. once you end that relationship, that's when you kind of jump the shark. Yeah, and then you just can't, you can't backtrack from that. I do think they do a really good job with the whole Fry and Leela thing. Like, will they? Won't they? Are they? They're, they, never, they really they're that, never not, but they never really are. In the last season, they really play that up. Like yeah. they, they end up getting together at the end of uh, the wild Into the Wild Green Yonder, yep. uh, their last movie in like a forkwell or whatever you want to call it. Yep. Uh, of straight to DVD releases throughout uh, their Comedy Central run, you never really know. Like, oh, Leela's going out on a date with this guy. I thought she was with Fry. Oh, Fry's with this girl now, and I thought they were what? And then they end up going on it to the the monkey planet and they end up staying in the zoo thinking it's like a private resort. Yep, yep. And that was like their first like that was the episode where they're just like, "Oh yeah, well they're dating." Obvi- but they're still doing it where they don't want anyone to know about it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's the Neanderthal episode where Leela's like, "I'm breaking up with you." He's like, "We were dating." Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the, you know, it's it's their like soulmate love that stops everything and brings them back together kind of thing. They, they have a lot of moments where that can happen for them without making it into an overly like love-saturated show. Yeah, and They that... still have their disagreements, but it's nice at the end when you see Leela chill out a little bit mm-hmm. to do the chicken dance for Fry. Yeah, and that and ep- then when he you know does more mature things to, to look better for Leela. Yeah, and that episode was fun on a bun. Uh, which aired August 1st, 2012, which is episode eight of the final season. So that that's kind of where they're like, okay, Fry and Leela are together. Yeah. So uh, just a couple of quick trivia bits that I've searched through IMDb for that I just I found really interesting. Matt Groening had actually bought the rights to use the 30th Century Fox logo that you see at the end of every episode. Fox actually did not like it. And then they saw it at the end of the episode, like, okay, that, yeah, no, that, that, that works. Sort of like what they did with the, the I roommate episode. They're like, no, this doesn't work. Just do what you wanted to do in the first place. Uh, And then the role of Zap Brown, again, this is a sad fact, but I'm sure everyone that watches Futurama knows this one already. The role of Zap Brown was originally intended for Phil Hartman uh, and was passed to Billy West after Phil Hartman was murdered by his wife. 
which I remember that I do remember that murder. I mean that she was she's she was all drugged out and she shot him yep. in the head, which is just it's crazy. They, mm-hmm. There's actually another podcast I don't remember what's called that just talked about like famous like celebrity and then like husband wife murders, and I think that his was on <clears> there because I, I when you said it I was like oh right that. That is that. Now, going back to him, though, isn't Philip J. Fry... Phil, yep, I was so just about to say. So, Philip Hartman. Yep. I think who else, there's something else that's a, a nod to him. Off the top of my head, I can't say. I just know that Billy West does a, his version of a Phil Hartman impression. Yes. To be Zap Brannigan. Like, they wanted to keep Phil Hartman alive through Zap Brannigan as far as the performance goes. So, he based it on, his, on Phil Hartman's Simpsons character, not... On his voice act, not necessarily for Hartman himself. No, they they based it just based on the way he speaks. Yeah, okay, which I mean, it worked very well. Well, then if you're there, um, let's go. Let's do like other. Okay, let's go with the creation of the names. Let's start from scratch. Let's go. Let's start with the creation of a lot of the, these ideas <clears throat> before we get to the episodes. Let's do that. Uh, okay. Because the only thing I know about Futurama without having to look it up is how they named Leela, and they named Taranga Leela, and it was after, uh, it was a symphony that was created for the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, and I, if I remember looking this up. It, the, the the orchestra, or the piece that they're referring to, is actually pronounced Lila, yep. but in the Greek, I believe, it's pronounced Leela. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a, I don't know what it's called, there's a very specific marking above at the that I at the very end, the I or the A when when it's actually spelled out, and that's why they've got the differences between the pronunciations. But I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's, the it only is, it is like a very interesting little like how they because you know if you watch that you're just like okay random name and it's like nope they they always always mean something. Yeah, and, uh, I I learned this while looking all this stuff up. I wasn't really going to mention it, but uh, Hermes is actually specifically named Hermes because Hermes uh, in Greek mythology was a messenger. Mm-hmm. And what better name to have for a delivery company than a guy named Hermes? Yep. Which I was like, that. how did I not realize this? Uh, the professor, <clears throat> I think, I don't know if this is right. I think he's named after the guy who invented television. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's where his name comes from. I'm fairly certain that that was that. Um, and they kind of like, I think the, the specific television that that guy's working on is kind of like their nod when he does the the anthologies of interest or whatever, where they're like, well, what would happen if, and he's got that TV screen, I think all that ties into the creation of his character. Yeah, because uh, Philo Farnsworth invented the television. Okay. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yep. Yeah, that's all I got really got for names, because obviously <laughs> Bender's a bending unit. He so. is a bending unit. That one's And he was to be. built in... Uh, Built in Mexico, so he's Bender B. Rodriguez. Bender B. Rodriguez. So of all the people in the voice cast, the, the Wikipedia page has Billy West, Katie Sagal, John DiMaggio, Tristan McNeil, Maurice LaMarche, Lauren Tom, Phil Lamar, and then David Herman, voice of Scruffy. <laughs> Scruffy is my favorite character, <laughs> hands down. Scruffy's the best. Who could forget the tragic Scruffy Wash bucket romance. Oh, I can't even. I'm tearing up just thinking about it. Scruffy deserved better when he's looking at boobs in zero G. He's on break. He's on break. Uh, I do like the. Uh, I believe the, in this company. <laughs> I, oh, that's one we didn't put on our list. The the 80s episode. 
the the Newtopia episode where their genders are switched, and at the end of the episode, Scruffy isn't switched yeah. back, but he still has his mustache. <laughs> he still has a mustache, and he's got a same voice. What I miss. <laughs> that is, I actually really like. That's a very good episode. One last little bit of trivia. Uh, Leela's wardrobe is actually inspired by sci-fi heroines such as Ellen Ripley and Sarah Connor, the Terminator 2 edition, uh, because they end up wearing tank tops. And yeah, like, they do. Yeah, so I was like, oh, that makes sense too. How did I not realize this? At the risk of running a little long, uh, I do want to talk about a few of our favorite episodes. We're not going to go too in-depth. We're just going to go into a, a little bit of like, oh, yeah, that's a great. No, I don't really like that one. So hopefully we have some that aren't matching. Um, but I'll let you start. We probably have Lady, some that are Ladies matching. first. Are we going favorite or least favorite? Um, I'll, let you, I'll let you decide. Okay, I'm going to say my top favorites are any of the mini episodes within the one episode. So like how they end with all the cartoons, uh, how they end that other season. I can't remember what season six. They end it with uh, like the... The like... Docu- all the animal ones. Yeah, the all the documentaries. Said the, pla- the planet Earth style ones. Those are really, really good. I do really I like those. Yeah, I was I was gonna uh, mention those too, but uh, yeah, those are great. And any with the what if machine, we're like that would be what it was like if I invented the thing longer. Yes, basically, I think they did a really good job with that one. Uh, the Christmas ones where they're all written different uh, by the different writers. That mm-hmm. one's particularly good. I do really like that one where they like have the evergreen trees grow. Then you have the reincarnation episode where they do the 8-bit episode. Yep. They have the old-timey like Steamboat Willie episode. Then they have the anime episode, the which anime episode that's is so good. That's one of my favorite <laughs> that's one of my favorite jokes where uh, they're saying they're talking about how they're going to stop these weird jellyfish guys with the banana ships from coming in and Fry says something. Uh, he's like, "Oh, well I can do this." And Professor Farnsworth interjects with like, "I thought your brother died or I thought your brother gave that to you." And he just you and I are enemies now. Yeah. Like, so completely good. unprovoked. Like, so he just, good. I, I just love that one. There's so many great jokes. I mean, we, we could probably just do, like, a top 20 of our favorite jokes, and that would be a great episode as well. But, yeah, so, that, yeah, that's your first one is... I think any, all the, all, any of the ones where they, it's the mini episodes within the one episode. I just think they always do a really good job. They're all different enough that you you feel like you're watching something different but then they're all similar enough that you know you're still watching futurama they keep the humor the same mm-hmm. so the the holiday one you're referring to has three episodes it's called xmas which is the one where they try and find um pine trees yep. to get actual christmas trees and it ends with the earth being destroyed because they over oxygenate yep, the world too, too many pine trees you have bender's robonica miracle that was so funny <laughs> <laughs> I guess there I wasn't the, enough oil for them to wrestle. The, the last line of that is the best part because he's like, I thought it was I who was selfish. when it, Or I thought it was them who, were, who was selfish. But it turns out that they were the ones who made the miracle. Or like it, he was supposed to be having this big revelation. But he did. And he doesn't. <laughs> no. And then the, the last one is Kwanzaa where they basically just make fun of the fact that Kwanzaa is such a new holiday that there's like no real traditions and they're just stealing from other holidays. And no one has any idea what's going on. Yep. One of my favorite episodes is War is the H-Word. More or less, it's a pretty average episode. Um, it has some good moments, but it, it has one of my favorite lines ever in the show, which is when Fry and Bender fraudulently sign up for the military just to get their 5% discount or whatever it is, mm-hmm. so they can save six cents on gum. They, they're like, we can immediately unsign up, right? And he's like, yeah, unless war were declared. And then alarm goes off, and they're like, what's that? War were declared. <laughs> I, I just love that because he, like the inflection doesn't change at all, and he just—it's great. 
I like that one with I like Leela in that one actually. I like I kind of like how they're all doing their own thing, like in the same uh, mm-hmm. episode. Like you're just like you just like that's the one where they kind of really show you how competent Leela is compared to the rest of them. Like she's so obviously competent that it's almost embarrassing for everybody else in that show. And I like how she she says, I want to sign up for the for the military because my friends die if I'm not there to help them. Yep. And they're just like, Nope, Zeb Brannigan's uh you know, he's he's a predator, so we can't have women on Basically in the in the military. Yep. All right, so you're. Uh, do you want to do your least favorite, or do you want to keep going with the the favorites? Or do you want to alternate? Like, let's go. Let's. We'll keep. We'll stick with the favorites. Okay. I feel like I had. Yeah, it's hard to narrow down. I like the the professor's parabox. The Farnsworth parabox. The Farnsworth parabox. That's a good I, one. That is a really good one. I like. Yeah, I just. I again. I think it must be me and the alternate realities. I like all the alternate versions of them that you meet. You yeah. Know, the first ones are funny because everything is just like the colors are changed. And their attitudes are changed, and you're like, oh, okay. But then there's like, you know, they go absolutely insane with them. I think that one's particularly good. I honestly can't remember the joke that I'm uh, that I put this one down for for mine. Um, I put in the the day the Earth stood stupid. Uh, that's the one where the brains attack and make everyone stupid, and Bender fi- finds out like why he's special, which is that he doesn't Fry. have the Delta. Yeah, Fry, why he doesn't have the Delta brainwave, and. Uh, Oh no, that's not that's not that episode. That episode, uh, Leela is the one that like has to bring it to Fry, and he, Fry is not aware that he's special at all. But Leela is like, I have to tell something important, and she like gives him the note that Nibbler pinned on her yeah, shirt. Yeah, it's pinned right on her shirt. He's like, oh, thanks. He blows his nose and throws it away. And then she's like, fire hot. Um, I, one of my favorite it has one of my favorite bits though is when Fry's like yelling into the the megaphone. He's like, "Hey, people in New York, stop being so stupid!" But he's yelling into the wrong end, he's yelling into the wrong and then the end. parrot like flies over and squawks <laughs> at him. You the you the best part. I say this all the time, like at work uh, at the very end of that episode where he's writing the end of the story, and they're like, "The brains left for no reason." reason. <laughs> that is so funny to me. Yeah, he's caught in a. Uh, book of riddled plot holes and spelling errors. Yes. That one is particularly... I am the greatest. I am the greatest. I literally do that with my clients all the time. Like, if I walk away, we make a joke, I'll be like, that's fine, guys. Um, I am the greatest. So just know that. <laughs> no one has any clue what I'm talking about because they're all old. Sorry, clients. You are old. All right. So your your next weird. one. Uh, I'm going to go with... Okay. So if it is the musical episode, then the devil's hands are idle play, idle play things. Such a great one. S- so good. I mean, Fry is obviously particularly awesome in that one, but I don't know the way they lead you through the whole episode, and you're not really sure what the devil's up to. You you know, but you don't know. I think they do a really good job with him in that episode. Yeah, because I like him. I any any episode he's in, I I like. I find amusing. Which the robot devil is uh, voiced by Dan Castellaneta. Yep. It's not that episode, but the first time we're ever introduced to... With the golden the, fiddle. Uh, yeah, to the robot devil. Uh, when you walk through... When you see Fry and Lila walk through um, the Tunnel of Love for the fair that they're going through to get to hell, robot hell, uh, if you look closely, there's a heart in the tunnel that says HS plus MB, which is an homage to The Simpsons. Homer Simpson and Marge oh, Bouvier. I didn't know that. That's, yep. that's cute. It's not on my list, but I do also want to talk about this one in the uh, the honking episode where Bender uh, yes. becomes a wear car. I didn't catch this until like three or four years ago, but one of Bender's relatives is Commodore 64. 
there's a there's a oh yes yeah there's a painting right. on the wall that the the professor is like waving his hand to and it's following his hand and he's like oh these are all motion censored cameras but if you look it says his name is commodore uh l x or l i v yeah. or you know whatever l x i v would be 64 so uh but yeah i never caught that until like one day i paused it at that moment for whatever reason it's like wait a minute oh my god that's amazing I, I just love little Easter eggs that they I throw do. in they like that. I do. They do a good that. job with that one. Well, didn't they have to change the alien language like twice because everyone kept figuring it out? Yep. So they were like, well, <laughs> we don't want you to translate it, so we have to change it again. And they, they actually joke about that in the episode of uh, Lila's Homeworld where uh, Lila's mom creates like an exo-linguistic language that uh, cannot be deciphered. Yeah. Um, that's the joke for that one is the fact that uh, that's the language that they used that they created because there is no resolution to it because yep. it's it, it's just I think it's like crypto three or something crypto two and it's just basically indecipherable. So did you go or did I go? I'm so tired. <laughs> I think it's you. Okay, you just pointed something out, but it doesn't count. All right, so um, I'm gonna save this one for last just because okay. it's everyone's favorite. So we'll talk about it last. Oh, it's uh, the one that I also have on my list. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it makes any sense. Um, the next one I have is a clockwork origin, which, uh, I'm so tired. I'm blanking on it's the ninth episode aired. Uh, okay. That's, it's the episode that sparked the meme. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Basically the, the professor, uh, is arguing with a creationist monkey and, or ape, uh, orangutan. Orangutan. I believe they fall into the ape category, um, about whether or not evolution exists or not. And it's just it's a great episode. It, it, it kind is of a really good episode. It, it's well, it's one of those episodes where it doesn't, it doesn't uh, like. It do, there's no clean finish. It does not finish saying, you know, like obviously this is real. Obviously this is like not real. It it just leaves it open, which I think is one of the things they do really well. Yeah, and I, I mean, if there's a an, a lesson within the episode, it's we can learn to compromise. If you yeah. believe one thing and someone else believes another, it doesn't matter. And for a show like that, like to do something like that, yeah, it's. I think they do a really good job in that episode. Well, they do that same thing with the, uh, what is it, Leela and the Beanstalk? Yeah. So same thing. It's obviously all about like the GMO and non-GMO and that whole big discussion. But at the end of the episode, like, you know, they don't really say yes or no either way. But it is funny that mom comes in and she's like, don't you want to get rid of your tentacles? And also we can feed thousands of people. <laughs> and then they just kind of drop it. Yeah. Like, but then you see all like the crazy beanstalks have taken over New New York. And mm-hmm. obviously it's causing a lot of destruction. I do yeah. I think they do a good job with that one. On a on a, a, a you know, uh what would you say? A hot button issue. Mm-hmm. And they they end up making it funny. Alright, so your your next one. I like Time Keeps on Slipping with the Globetrotters. Okay, yes. That's the first time we meet the Globetrotters. First time we meet the Globetrotters. That's the infamous episode where they <clears throat> they actually have that actual equation. It ended up being a real equation mm-hmm. at the very end. I just think that I don't know why. I just think that all the Globetrotters are really funny. I think uh, Bender is particularly adorable in that episode, which is honestly why I like it so much. That one where he makes his own Globetrotter uniform. <laughs> And they're like, gonna sue him, like, yeah. I guess, like, for copyright infringement. Yep. And then he offers to, like, <clears throat> he offers to participate in a bake sale or something ridiculous. Mm. It's just, like, he, him in that episode is, 
it's him wanting attention and not getting what he wants, but not being obnoxious about it. Yeah. I particularly like that one. Okay. And that one ends in a really great way too, with Fry like realizing what he did to make Lila love yep. him. He, yep. he like literally moves the stars and it, it it's a really nice moment and it's it's one of the first episodes that really kind of shows you like oh this show can be poignant too yeah it's well, it shows you like the depth of like the fry and leela like they set it up for fry loves leela like that's what's going on it's going to be the theme throughout the rest of the show and yeah <laughs> um <laughs> going back to your first uh recommendation about every like mini episode within an episode uh in the uh in the reincarnation episode, the very first one where mm-hmm. they're doing like the old timey bouncy cartoon, uh, there's one where <laughs> there's a conversation between Fry and Bender, which I love. Uh, he's he Bender's like, have you have you tried getting her pregnant? I tried and, he, and I, tried and tried, and all I've done is getting gotten Amy pregnant. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Get Amy like, pregnant? What? That's a weird little joke. It's it, funny it's, though. It's hilarious. That's one of those ones where you're like, wait, what the heck? It just plays up how dumb Fry is, but yeah. how adorable he is at the same time. So uh, my next uh, like one episode that I, I get, will just watch repeatedly is The Bots and the Bees, which again is uh, from the Comedy Central run. It's when Bender uh, illegitimately fathers a child with a soda machine. Yep. And this is another poignant episode because they find out that little Ben... Uh, voiced by Phil Lamar, it only has one memory card slot. And if they were to remove it and add in a bending chip that would allow him to be a bender like he wants to be, like his daddy, uh, he will forget everything. And so Bender, at the end of the episode, sacrifices his son's memory of himself to let him become a bender like he wants to. But there's a great moment uh, when Bender steals Ben from uh, the soda machine mom. I forget her name right now. Uh, where they're like escaping, but then they stop and hug. And then they're escaping and they stop and hug. Yeah, they just can't stop hugging. And it, it's another really great and cute Bender episode. I think it's also with off- where he's trying to bend the bars and Officer URL's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> he just can't do it. He's like, come on, Ben, you can do That is a great Bender-centric episode. It they, is. Yeah, they do a really, really good job with him. All right, your next one. It's so hard to pick. Okay, this, I changed my mind, might be one of my favorites. If we're going to go for, so not as poignant as the one we're saving for last, which everybody already knows, but another equally as, like, touchback to Fry's past and, like, what it means. Like, you think, when the especially like the first season, you think, okay, he had a pretty crappy life. Like His girlfriend dumped him on New Year's Eve. Yeah, his family doesn't really care about him. Like, his mom doesn't notice him. His dad is weird and his brother's a jerk. Like, you know, all that stuff. Luck of the Fryrish. Yes. Where he's going back and trying to find that seven-leaf clover. And you, you see, like, how annoying... Like, his brother wants to be more like him, which is unusual that the older brother would want to be like the younger brother because, the, you know, they really show you how how big of a loser Fry is. You know, how? why would anyone want to be like that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. But that's a particularly, I think, a good episode where he's, you know, mad the whole time. And then they go through the flashbacks of, like, his brother obviously misses him, wonders where he went, has, like, missed him every day, names his kid after him. <laughs> and, like, and then his kid becomes... Uh, a rock star and an astronaut. An astronaut, which was, those are, like, the Phil's dreams. dreams. Yeah, they, they, he wanted to be those things. I think that's a yeah. The end of that episode is 
It's so good because you watch it and you're like, you know, it's a normal Futurama episode and then you get punched in the stomach, basically. Yep. And then they end it with uh, The Breakfast Club. Yep. Don't you forget about me. So good. That's such a good episode. It is. It, it, that was on my honorable mentions if we were going to, if I, I knew I was going to make a big list, but I was wondering if I wanted to try and narrow it down. Um, I know. It's so hard, but that it is, is, it's definitely I mean, got to be up there. Yeah, it's it, so good. It's a show that had over 100 episodes. Like you, it's 140. hard to- Yeah. So my my next one again is from uh, I, I don't know if it's a recency bias or just the way my mind works, but uh, the near death wish. Uh, this episode is very professor heavy. It starts off thinking it looking like it's going to be Fry, but Fry uh, goes and gets the professor's parents out of the near death star, and this puts the professor through a, a big bit of regression where he, uh, you know, I don't, you guys don't understand me. And we find out that the professor lived on a farm because he was, uh, just so into science and he was going insane because of it. And his parents took him out to the farm to get him away from all this stuff. And, uh, the way the episode ends is the best part though. He reprograms their, their retirement home in the near death star to look like the farm they lived on. And he gives his parents, in the virtual reality, their old, like 30 year old, 40 year old bodies. And he comes back in as like little eight, nine year old Hubert. And he's like, one last chance to play. And it, it's just such a good ending to a, a I think pretty good episode. It doesn't even say, unless you're too tired. Yeah. And they're like, like we're never tired for you. Yeah. Guy. Oh my God. You're right. That's so it's sad. The, the ending is just so great. It, it's, it's the heartstrings. Although my favorite little joke in that one is when uh, Bender is like, Oh, a cowboy came to the door a few years ago, but I kicked him out. <laughs> yeah, because apparently the, the professor has a, brother. an older brother. Um, the other one is uh, when fr- they get into the virtual reality on the near Death Star, and uh, Fry's like, hey, I'm your long-lost great-great-great-great-great-great-nephew. And he's like, I know a scam when I hear it. Get away. And then Bender's like, I know how to get in here. Reverse mortgages. Like, come on in. <laughs> yeah, that's a really, really good one. Okay, next, go. Okay. I'm going to go, I, I think Bender must be my favorite character. It's it's a tie between Bender and Fry. Um, Godfellas? Yes, that where was going to be on my honorable mentions, yes. Yeah, that's a good one. The whole thing with Malachi. Also, where he literally, he can't win. He can't, like, he, he can't win mm-hmm. for losing. Everything he does is bad. Yeah. And then that is also particularly adorable with Fry just trying so hard to find Bender because they're the best of friends. Yep. So cute. I'm just asking for one lousy lifetime to find my friend. You guys have eternity to look for God. (laughs) Uh, That one also has one of my favorite lines throughout the entire show. Like I know I've been saying a lot about like, oh, this is my favorite joke, but this is like my favorite line. Like uh, the God character that they have in the show. He says, uh, if you do things right, people won't be sure if you've done anything at all. And like that's actually relatively true. Yep. I mean, it sucks in a working environment. Yep. But I mean, it it's true. Yep. That's a good one. That's a particularly good one. All right. So my last one that I have for, or no, we have one more, but that we're sharing. But my last one that is unshared, as far as I'm aware, is uh, Game of Tones, which again is another heartstrings family moment. Uh, Fry, there's a a, a ship coming that. Uh, sends this tone out to these planets and it's literally destroying them like space Rome. And they have this really funny joke about all these like planets coming and falling because of this tone. Uh, But the way it ends is that Fry hears a tone and he has to go through his last day in 1999 
to try and find the tone because that's the they found out that that's the date he heard it. Yeah, he remembers. And that. so he has to like relive his last day in the year two thousand or whatever, and uh, he realizes like, oh, this wasn't so bad. Like I had my dog, I had my family, I had my job. Like I guess I just because I knew I couldn't go back, I just thought I hated it. Yeah. And then he starts talking with his mom and he realizes that like I never got a chance to talk to my mom again, and he got really sad about it. And then at the end of the episode, because they, uh, Nibbler realizes that Fry has helped his people once again by the end of the episode, uh, he's like, we'll find a way to pay you back. And then Fry goes to sleep, and he's sitting next to his mom. And she's just like, I always have time for you, Phil. And he's like, what's the point? I, you, this is just a dream. There's no point in this. And Nibbler goes, no, it's actually her dream. And it's just like, oh, the tears. He's like, oh, my God. How do they do this? Which is unusual because, you know, otherwise in the show, she's... She's sitting there watching college football. Well, yeah, she's inattentive and basically, like, has no idea he exists. And then they kind of throw the, oh, but, you know, he, his life wasn't, you know, he didn't... It's one of those things people are like, yeah, that would happen to me. Like, if I wasn't around anymore, people would just move on. And I think they kind of point out, like, well, look, like, him disappearing actually did stuff to his family. Mm -hmm. Like, they missed him. He was worthwhile. People wanted to know where he was kind of thing. Yep. All right, so you're second to last one before we share, or is this one we share? No, I, I do have one more okay. I can say. Okay, it, maybe it's like the other ones. I like uh, 300 Big Boys, where the government gives everyone $300. <laughs> that's that's kind of a, another cheat one, where they have a bunch of little stories. It's little stories all put together, but at the very end, I think I, I like Fry's story the best, where he's just drinking $300 cups of coffee. Like, how many, I don't even understand why you'd want to drink that much coffee, but at the end... He like reaches a new level of coffee intake <laughs> I, that that he, speaks to me on a spiritual level. <laughs> also, it ends really sweet with Zoidberg, like understanding like having money doesn't really mean anything, and that he shares he shares like hot dogs or whatever yep. it is with his hobo friends. So cute. Yep, that is a good one. I love Bender at the end of that one too. He's like, "Well, my story kind of petered out with no real uh, yeah, lesson," he, he and then they find that. him and like, "All right, closure." So the. The episode to end all episodes then, Jurassic Bark. Everyone's, either you love it or you hate that, it episode. That was the very first, like, I've seen sad movies and I've seen sad TV shows and uh, I've, yeah, I, I'm, I've cried at things, but I, like, I've, no, I'm I've never. i so I have not. I've never cried at, like, a TV show or a movie at Especially this point. Especially a cartoon. <laughs> Which is part of the reason why it affected me so much. So Jurassic Bark debuted November 17th, 2002. I watched this episode as it aired, and my fa- my mom. I was still living at home at this point. My mom walks by, and she goes, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "This episode of Futurama was really sad." She's like, "What's Futurama?" I'm like, "It was really sad." She's like, "It's a cartoon. What's wrong with you?" <laughs> Pretty much. Are you on the drugs, Josh? <laughs> my mom probably would say. Are something you like on that. the weed? Um, but Are you yeah, injecting it? So the entire episode. It's another Bender centric episode too. Uh, Fry finds out that his dog has been fossilized, but they can actually clone him because he was fast fossilized and they can uh, bring him back through, and he'll remember all of his tricks and everything. But at the end of the episode, Fry realizes that he lived for another like 12 years before uh, the fossilization happened. And so he decides he's going to just let Seymour be. And then you see at the, e- the very end of the episode to the heartbreaking Doris Day song, I Will Wait For You. <laughs> 
Seymour is literally just sitting outside the pizza place waiting for Fry. And it's just so sad. Did you ever watch? Now, have you ever seen Hachi? No. Have you had so you and had you even heard of it before? I, I know. I'd like the minute I heard the voice, I'm like, oh, that's Doris Day. And like my only exposure to Doris Day is like K. Sarah. Oh no, no, not even that. The movie Hachi. Oh no. Yeah, right with what Richard Gere, that guy. So, oh yeah, no, Richard Gere. So that episode um, is based on. It's based on the story of a Japanese dog, and I'm pretty sure it's something similar to Hachi, but I don't know how to pronounce the name. And then there's a, an Americanized movie of it named Hachi with Richard Gere, where basically this guy gets this dog. It's a you know good, happy dog story. Well, the guy, I think he has a heart attack on a train or something like that, or he, uh, he's a professor. Maybe he has a heart attack while he's at school. So... For us, for the audience, well, we know heart attack means that that character is gone. It's done with. That's it. The dog would like would take him to the train station every day, and then would wait at the train station for him to get home. He'd like like that guy was his whole life. So the point of this Hachi is that he kept going back and just waiting for his owner to return. He never figured out what happened to him Mm -hmm. and that's based off a real story of a japanese individual who had a dog who would wait for him at either the train station or outside a shop or something and he died and the dog sat in the same spot every single day until he died in that same in that spot and they even have like a statue and everything built for that dog Mm. so that's that's the idea of jurassic bark i i did misspeak um i said doris day did i will wait for you it's connie francis which connie francis is amazing too um pretty much yeah um i just wanted to correct that before uh the people who don't listen to this correct me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah that's uh you know i didn't cry though josh i did not that's because you're heartless i am heartless no uh i cry at dog videos that's about it (laughs) this is a dog video essentially it is it is but i don't know i do i know i watched it i was like oh that's so sad so uh speaking of negative notes i guess we'll end on negative notes with our least favorite episodes but i think that leads to a better comedy uh with all this i'm gonna start this time you though do it. uh so my the my this is my number one least favorite futurama episode it's i dated a robot it starts off really promising like fry wants to do all these things that he, he he's like we're living in the year 3000 we're in the future like why aren't we doing all these things that i ever dreamed of so he gets to ride like a tyrannosaurus rex in a real life jurassic park uh, he gets to surf the internet, which is one of the things we were discussing before we started recording. Was uh, their representation of the internet, at least at that time, was pretty great. Like it's, pretty it's full of ads. Yeah. Um, and then it, it goes downhill where they uh, they start kind of preaching about Napster, but they're using celebrities to download into robots, and it Fry is just obsessed with Lucy Liu, and uh, I just. I just don't care for the episode. Like, I, uh, part of it is because I don't really care for Lucy Liu. And I, like, if they had used Julia Roberts instead, like, maybe I would like it more. But I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just I don't care for the episode. The the promotional video of like why it's dangerous to date a robot is pretty funny. But yeah, I was gonna say that's probably the part of the episode I like the best. I think it's funny. Yeah. I, but other, you're right. Other than that, it's. It's yeah, it's not a great episode. It's not one of my least favorites, but it's I don't think you're right. It's not one I would like seek out to watch. Yeah, I, I skip it whenever I'm watching it on uh I'll say I won't do on that. streaming, I'll, I'll, I'll skip it. it. I, I I skip it. I, I can't watch it. By the way, mad at Netflix for not having it anymore. Still hey, still mad. Get at Hulu. It. No, thank you. <laughs> All right, so you're you're one of your least favorites. Uh Pharaoh to remember. Okay. 
Okay, I don't like it. That is one where I think Bender is obnoxious. Bender does get super annoying in that episode. That he is it is such an annoying episode. I don't know. I don't. There's really nothing about it that like intrigues me or I find like particularly funny. Like I think maybe the best part of that is when they're deciphering the wall to see who the next pharaoh is. And it's just his face. It's his face, and they're like, "Well, it looks like there's some tents, but." It could be something. And then Bender interjects. He's like, those are waves, jackass. It's supposed to be water. And then Fry just goes, oh, I think I know who the next pharaoh is. And then Leela's like, oh, Lord. She does her like, <laughs> yep. little Leela thing, which is really good. But yeah, I, but, I, yeah, I never particularly understood that one. I do. I think it's funny. Like, uh, yeah, the slave thing was weird. We're like, tonight we're slaves to the rhythm. And I was like, okay. Like, I'm going to spin till I fall down. Yeah, that was And weird. he gets like three spins in. Yeah. It just—it was just like a strange. Yeah, episode. and that's uh, that's one of the episodes uh, that we'll get into with my next one. Is uh, it also kind of downplays Leela a little bit because she's uh, she would she would kick everyone's ass like yeah. she'd be like no you're not taking me as a slave yeah she just kind of goes along with it I don't know maybe they don't explain why she has to go along with it but yeah she would have fought her way out of it what on the three sons episode she fights like the entire freaking army to get back yeah, into the castle exactly. So uh, we'll, we'll use that as a transition to my next one, which is a bicyclops, a bicyclops built for two. Like, I, I feel like it's supposed to be pronounced bicyclops. I think it's supposed to be bicyclops. Because if you say bicyclops, it sounds like it's a bisexual cyclops. It kind of does. I'm also really bad at pronouncing uh, many words, so don't <laughs> ask me. I can't even say Says the woman who reads every like Aragon book and I, Harry Potter every year. In like a week i still don't know even. i still don't know how to pronounce the the eshwe or eshu like e-s-h-e-w paolini loves that word oh eshoo i think it is eshoo uh, trevor says i pronounce like like okay mirror i can't say that right i pronounce both r's don't i you, yeah you, I do. You, you do like mirror yeah there's a dog i can't pronounce it's like a, <laughs> a meowla mute whatever <laughs> you so, heard it so anyway a bicyclops built for two um yeah, I, this one it has a great moment where they homage Peg Bundy, but that's really it for the episode. Leela is not Leela in the episode. She really isn't. Um, I don't like the episodes. That's, where she's stupid. that's the first episode where they actually show the internet. Actually, it is. Yes. Yeah. Yep. He's been trying to. That's a funny joke in that episode. I like the first half. That's like the joke is he's been trying to sign on to the internet on the AOL. And he's like, and it finally went through. Yeah. And then they're like, they get to do. I think they do a really good job, like how a video game would work in the internet like they do a good job with that and then like you know fry is good at one thing and it's video games so that's like his his tiny moment to shine but then of course he ruins something for leela because that's what he does oh i need to delete one off my list this one was supposed to be on my favorites list um oh. roswell that ends well that was i saw that you put that on there i was like I can't yeah believe he no that's like that one no that, that one's so funny. that one's great that has and one of my leela favorite bits. is really good in that with the stove thing yeah he's your, your wife is hysterical <laughs> You really don't make enough roast, Leela. Um, but yeah, that one's, a, to kind of tangent back to that, um, I, I love that one just because of, uh, is it Eisenhower is the president in that one? I think so. Uh, the way they deliver him to Roswell is amazing. Like It's just like poached eggs and he just busts out. Yep, <laughs> so good. <laughs> That's pretty much the only reason why I love that episode is because of the way he, he breaks out of the, the box to get delivered there. Um so yeah, continuing on with our least favorites. Uh, so Bice Club is built for two. Lilo's not Lila. They have a nice homage to Peg Bundy and Married with Children, but there's not much really to the episode that's actually good. 
Yeah, I mean, I understand, like, her whole obsession with, like, but I don't know, the way that she's like, my people, she just doesn't like that. Yeah. She just isn't. And, I mean, she she's smart enough to know that two people can't rebuild a society. Yeah. She'd be like, oh, okay, well, you know, let's just be friends, and it sucks that our race is dead. So, your next one. Um, I don't, okay, we did talk about this. I don't particularly care for the iPhone one. Yeah. But now I'm trying to think, is it the one, <clears throat> Is it is the one with the... What, what does she call them? The twits? Yeah, the, the twit worm. For some reason, I, I, feel, I see those as two different episodes. I know it's the same episode. I feel like so much happens in that episode, and it's all like really like it's one, pushed together. It's a really big setup for a Susan Boyle joke, which at that time was already dated as well. It was. Well, it wasn't even... And I actually... Because I wasn't on the whole Susan Boyle thing, so I had to even look up who she was. Because I was like, I don't get this joke. Like, I don't understand. And then when I, even when I looked it up, I was like, okay, I guess. But this was how many years Yeah, ago? it was... I was still living with my parents when Susan Boyle was a thing, so... I, I don't know. I guess everything in that episode was weird. Like, again, I get, like, Leela in that episode being like, I have a Boyle. Like, I don't know. It was just not funny. It was... The goat thing was funny. But yeah. that was about it. Yeah, and the the ending of that episode is very dark and it's very weird. Like it doesn't It doesn't fit. mesh with the rest of the episode. Yeah. It's like and you know, they do the little jokes like the I might have one left. Let me check in the back and there's like thousands of they're, millions they're literally of iPhones. coming off the belt. But again, it's an old joke that's not funny. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're past that where everyone is on the iPhone train. I just didn't think it was very <clears throat> Yeah, and they make the joke that the battery doesn't hold a charge and yeah, like they, you don't have you don't have you don't get to choose your service provider like they were on the iPhone 4 at that point. Yeah, it was. I just, I don't know. I just, I don't think it was very. Yeah, I think they were too late to the game, and it was kind of one of those things. Like, yeah, yeah, we know we're watching this on our iPhones. Like, we know it's ironic <clears throat> that we're using our iPhones. So my next one is Kiff gets knocked up a notch, which is on my list too because I hate it. Okay, I wasn't sure if you'd put that one on there, but yeah, that one's it's just not good. It's it's got some funny moments like doing the the interspecies tilt a whirl thing yeah that's like funny. that that's funny like zoidberg gets popped out of there like, zoidberg what are you doing in there oh uh i live in there <laughs> i live there and then the uh the holodeck of like eagle evil holographic simulation lincoln is yeah. back like the holodeck stuff is pretty funny when they, they go awry but the outside of that there's really not much in the episode that's actually funny no it, and, it and really i think it's isn't. because amy and kiff are not interesting as, yeah i like, don't i don't like the whole amy kiff romance like overall, yeah, I don't like. I don't think Kiff's like a bad character, but he's an annoying character. When he's when he's front and center, yes. Yeah, he is not a good main character. He's much better as like, yeah, in the background with Zap. Yeah, and just making fun of Zap, like the jackass wants to see you now. Yeah. Okay, so your next one. Um, so I have that one on mine. Uh, I don't like the one where is it. Like dads against television, or it's fathers against rude television. Rude television. I not d- us farters. Yeah, not us farters. I don't think that. Um, oh, what's his? Is it Dwight? I don't think Dwight and Cubert are funny in that. I don't know why. I don't find them amusing. And I don't. Again, that's another like Bender being obnoxious. Is that the same episode where Bender and or uh, where Cubert and Dwight? create their own no that's not the one where they create their own company and like, no. bankrupt planet express no it's not that's a good episode. <clears throat> they're just fighting for their dad's uh attention or no, yeah. they, they want to be cool that's they what it be is cool. that's all it they, is. they have a birthday party at the beginning of the episode and no, and one, shows no up. one shows up except for tiny tim which is hilarious and he finds it in the garbage tiny tim. i'm sorry you're right tiny tim and he finds it in the garbage no i don't like bender in that i don't like yeah i don't like any of that i don't like the, all my circuits 
and how they introduce it. Because all my circuits is funny. That's like a funny little thing they do in the show. I really like that, but I don't like how it is in that episode. Yeah, I do not enjoy that at all. It does have one good line about Calculon watching security footage of Bender stealing his wallet. And he's like, he stole the scene and my money? Yeah. <laughs> and though they have a, like a Macaulay Culkin bot in there. Yep, Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin, which is, you know, He's again. just not cute since he had puberty installed. Yeah. That's a fun one. Oh, and uh, I think, didn't they, did they make fun of Shia LaBeouf in that one? I don't think so. They, uh... I think that was before Shia LaBeouf's time. I don't, I don't know if it was, because it's the, um, it's a vending machine. It's like the vending machine, and they said it's in trouble, like, since it robbed a, a store or something yeah. like that. Wasn't that, like, Shia LaBeouf's thing? Didn't he, like, rob a, like, either he, like, punched a vending machine, or he, like, kind of, like robbed a store or something? I, I couldn't tell you uh, I'm not I, sure on I, that I, one. I thought that's what that joke was from. Yeah, I'm not sure on that one. I don't remember. But so, yeah, I don't I don't find that one. It's okay. <clears throat> so the last one on my list is the Butter Junk Effect, which is a Comedy Central episode. Um, Leela and Amy get like drafted into doing this moon sport of like women's wrestling where they have to pretend to be they have to flap wings and wrestle in the air. And the only funny thing about that is the explanation of the game with the the moon the moon farmer or whatever where he's like <clears throat> you see those ladies up there yeah you see that thing down there that's the ground first one to touch it loses <laughs> i well, I, like he explains the outfits they gotta wear skimpy outfits so they stay afloat <laughs> like like you know kind of making fun of that i actually don't hate that episode i think it's really fucking weird at the end yeah, where Fry becomes a butterfly. So and then he, fucking weird. Yeah, that I think that's part of the reason why I don't like it is because so it's so weird. Yeah, but I do think I think it's funny. Um, with I think the it's the Amy Lila relationship because they they don't put them together a lot. They put them together like enough, but you know it's the same thing as any other TV show movie where it's the girls interact with the guys and not necessarily each other. Yeah. So in this episode, they are obviously interacting with each other, but they're doing like where Fry is doing like that. Yeah. thing because that it's just making fun of like that style of female relationship where they're just making fun of each other the whole time and like insisting that they like each other even though you know that they probably don't they're in that like competition phase yeah so i don't hate it but you're yeah i agree with its placement on your particular list <laughs> perhaps i don't like uh stench and stenchability zoidberg falls in love with the flower girl Okay. Voice, I do not like that episode. Voiced by uh, Daenerys Targaryen. Don't like it. I like that one. I don't. I don't. I do. Don't like it at that all. That one's a little endearing to me. I see. I don't think. I don't think it makes any sense. I think Zoidberg. I don't know. Like <clears throat> Zoidberg can be endearing. He's more endearing in like the 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 Yeti one. Yeah. Uh, the great white or well, the great four dimensional whale one or whatever that one is. The fourth dimensional whale, yeah. Yeah, whatever that where he's there uh, they kind of explain a little bit more of why the professor bothers keeping him around. Yeah. Those times I find Zoidberg endearing. But I did not like I did not like that episode. I I will straight up skip that one. I like it, but only because of um Amelia Clark's character, the I forget her name, but because she has no sense of smell, she yeah. can't smell how disgusting Zoidberg is. And then when she finally gets it, she's like, well, I like you and I've never smelt anything before. So if I like you, I like how you smell. Yeah. And I, I like, I think like, that's cute. It's, it's it's cute and it's sweet, but I just, I don't know. She's a very like, 
I don't know. I think she's a stupid character. Like overall, she like she's a nothing character. Yeah. She's basically cardboard. Which she's I think- basically there to serve it as the plot device for the episode, and then make the I have to dump you line. He's like, oh, that sounds like fun, and then she literally dumps yeah, him in the dump that's, truck. That's basically it. And then they never like that. She's never around again. Yeah. That's it. I just don't understand. Well, as Fry says, the best part of, or the number one thing you have to remember about any TV program is that everything returns to normal at the end. That's true. So with that, I th- unless you have another episode or any other thoughts on Futurama besides the fact that it's great. I know there's one that I do not like. <laughs> like, I know for certain there's one I do not like. I know we talked enjoy. about Assy Come Home. Um, that's one I don't really care for, but it's not terrible. Um, uh, you know what I want? I do like, actually, uh, that I didn't th- think where Fry has worms. I like that one. I do like that one. At the end of that, is it is it at the end of that episode? He's try he's trying to learn how to play the. He's doing the, the holophoner again, and he's redoing it. Yeah, and he's actually doing okay. Yeah, and then and then they bring back the holophone thing that he's still practicing, and the the robot devil hands ones. I just think that's like that's like a cute part of Fry where they show, like he's not just like. Hey, I like you, and this is it, Leela. He's, you know, he's actively trying to do things in the background. Like they kind of give you that little glimpse, yeah. like, look at him—he's in his room practicing his holophone for Leela. Like it's so cute and sweet. Um, I will say I do not like the um, T the terrestrial episode. Where the only thing I like about that episode is that they bring back Jer from the uh, Poplars episode. Oh, right. Yep, you're right. But the the T episode is just weird. Like, I get Omicronians poop Reese's Pieces or That's something. That's weird. And it, Fry's dying, but because he's been eating the Reese's Pieces, his ass glows, and it brings Bender back. And it, uh, the best part of that episode, though, is um, Leela talking about how, uh, like, their relationship has never been better, even though Fry's been gone for, like, a week. <laughs> because Bender's been replaying just, like, little like snippets, snippets of, of, the of a message that, yeah. that one is really good actually and uh there's a couple here that i'm seeing that i i do really like the you just like remember them afterwards you're like oh shoot i really yeah like that the, one. the late philip j fry which is the one where he the professor and uh bender go forward yes, through time that's a good and they come back and, to a that's, reality that's a where he's not gonna Leela. be late yeah yep. and um there's one other one that i just saw um. Oh, it's the one where uh, Fry becomes a police officer. Um, oh, the future law and crimes. Oracle. Yeah, law and yeah. Oracle. The future crimes division. Yeah, I like that one. That one's actually a really nice twist at the end. It too. is. What movie is that based off of? Then? It's based off of um, Minority Report. Minority Report. That's what. It um, is. But yeah, I like how they the the plot device to the end of that is like we're behind this prediction proof glass. Prediction proof. No, I do enjoy that one. I like that that one gives Fry something else to do as well. I don't know why, but I, I like that he's doing something other than just being like the delivery boy. Yeah, and then they, they promote him at the end of the episode to executive delivery boy. And he's like, it's a meaningless promotion. It's and just then right underneath make... it, executive producer. Yep. That's super funny. That's a good one. So I think we'll call it quits there. Um, yeah, 19 years of Futurama. Um, I'm actually going to get to meet Phil Lamar at C2E2 this year. Really? So, I'm, yeah, I'm, oh. I'm planning on getting to meet him. Um, so, I'm excited about that. Be uh, cool. I, I, I enjoy a lot of his stuff. I've actually never seen Samurai Jack, but I... Oh, my God. You never watched Samurai Jack? Oh, Josh, yeah. it's so good. <laughs> That's what I hear. What's our age difference? How far apart are we? Uh, I'll be 33 this year. And I'm 25. I'll be 26 this year, though. So seven years. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Like, so maybe I was like, you would have been slightly as far as like, 
well, I don't know how your house was. Mine was if it was like, you know, TVMA, I could not watch it. I, whatever the TV said was what we went by so that both houses were the same. Oh, I had my own TV in my own, my own bedroom I when mean, I was like 17. So that didn't matter. Oh, I mean, I did, but I'm also a really good kid. So I, I never <laughs> would have done that. I remember the first time I wanted to watch Futurama, like I actually wanted to watch it. I asked if it was okay it was like uh this is like one of those like adult cartoons like i've seen a little bit of it and like my friends talk about it it's okay if i watch it god that sounds nerdy i just you know i don't know about how all those things work but i did watch samurai jack when it came out i even remember like watching the trailers for it being released like as a new show Hmm. and that's like we you know you were just so excited for it it was such a good show Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I'm if just, I can find it on streaming services or something, I'll probably not, watch I must say, it. If it's not, and I thought it was on Hulu, but maybe it's not. I'll take a look in, in a worst case scenario. Um, we always end the episode uh, sharing our social media stuff. Oh. Um, I don't think you do Twitter. No. So, um, do you have any like Instagram that I'm you want to show? You, <laughs> do you uh, do you want to show off your headstands and stuff I was, on yeah, I mean, Instagram? I guess if you're uh, interested in um, yoga and or a bunch of random lifting videos and maybe pictures of dogs. Then I do have an Instagram. That's what I do the most. It's just uh, Becky Romes. But of course, Romes is R O M E S. R O A M S. Okay, Romes, like you're yeah, roaming. Yeah, like I'm roaming this- around. I don't know why I picked that. I'll be honest. It doesn't really make any sense. Uh, and Becky is, you know, two Ks and an I E, not B E C K Y, not Becky with the good hair. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah, you can follow Becky Romes, B-E-K-K-I-E-R-O-A-M-S. No underscore or anything? Just period between. Period, okay. So you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Talking Smack Pod. I haven't done this in a while. Uh, You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We're at Talking Smack Pod on Twitter. Uh, Email is tsmackpod at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh underscore Scar. Scar is S-K-A-A-R, like Scar, son of Hulk. And that is the podcast this week. Rebecca, we'll talk to you again next week when we see Pacific Rim Uprising. And roll that theme music.